Everybody and welcome to the last ever Conversation Street of 2021. Nearly had you then. Hello everybody. Happy New Year nearly. And I hope you all had a lovely, lovely Christmas. How are you doing? I am Michael. I'm Gemma. Gemma's Gemma. And we are going to be talking about the Christmassy Coronation Street that we've been enjoying the last couple of days. We're talking about the 24th to the 28th of December. It's almost like we had to... There was almost no break to record a podcast. It feels like there's been a Coronation Street every day or so over the past week, hasn't there? Yes. Non-stop Corrie, amazing, but hasn't been Wow, good. what a out. great treat. Did you have a nice Christmas, Gemma? Yes. <laughs> Why do you sound like Mystic Meg then? <laughs> and you will be enjoying Christmas It too. is actually the 29th of December at the moment. We've had Christmas, we've been at my dad's house, possibly the last time going to my dad's house, which is the house I grew up in because he's hoping to move next year. Very sad, had to do a little, little, a little last, tour, didn't little you? tour of the house, went to the garden, found where my old cat was buried said goodbye to her and that was it very sad but he can't find a house he, he's he's having the similar pro- well not exactly the same problems as us but he sold his house and he's had put an offers on what four or five ones lots he's not been able to get any i thought the house, got a house they'd like my dad to have was um supposed to slow down but no no right that's not anyway, what we're talking that's about. not what we're talking about we're talking it's about christmas boring. christmas christmas did anybody get any good curry christmas presents i did Gemma got me some lovely curry christmas stuff didn't you i didn't know what you were going to get me for christmas this year i kept You're... asking you and you kept going i don't I'm know really really difficult and then to i buy was for. like well tough i've bought you something now yeah i i, I don't really want anything no, but it turns out that always... i never knew that i wanted a what? load of curry mugs which Gemma got me yeah you, you went on ebay didn't you, you did I a little did. bit of digging yeah what did you get me you got me like a set of three 90s curry mugs there was a, a raquel mugs. one a bet one and a reg one so yeah. obviously awesome did you get to like pick did you no they came, they as came a set, a set of, three. of three amazing characters yeah. <laughs> like michael's favorite 90s curry yeah, characters <laughs> so i got that brilliant i don't know whether i don't want i don't know whether i want to drink out of them I oh have you got them. do you remember what the lim- limerick was limerick on the other one is there a limerick on there? Oh, no, there was, yeah, there was another curry mug, wasn't there? From the, it must have been from the 60s, because it had Ina, Martha and Minnie on, like a little cartoon of them, and it had a poem underneath. Yeah, it was a limerick, you're right. And what else did you, you get You don't me? remember what the limerick was? No. Well, you should say it. You no. should... No, just... You don't care. Don't All right. Know. Well, you, if you, well, no, it's probably too late. No, you can go and find pictures of it on our Instagram. We did an Instagram stories oh, of it as well, okay, didn't we? Um, we got... Um, Oh, you got me a little uh, a little Rovers model, one of those Lilliput Lane ones, because you can get a whole set of those, can't you? And you got me a Rovers, but it was a Christmassy Rovers. I, I t- suggested to Gemma that it was her attempt to only let us have it out for three weeks or so of the year, but now it's safely tucked away you in my little study. You did a bad job of uploading this to... Did I, is that not yeah, a good picture of the Yeah, because you've added two of the same, three of the same picture. Oh, I didn't mean to Because I that. also got you... A map of Coronation Street mug. Oh yeah, there's like a, a, a 70s Coronation Street mug that tells me where everyone lived. Bishops, Faircloths, Ogdens. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Thank you very much, Gemma. I have. A... Oh, and 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 you got me some autographs, didn't you? You got me I a got Pat you. Phoenix autograph and a William Roach autograph, I which don't... handily says plays Ken Barlow or something underneath. I don't it, just think in case you don't know. They were actually signed. I think they're just postcards with. What? I don't think they were written on. What? I thought that it had been touched by the fair hand of William Roach. I know. Oh, well. Sorry. Well, you've got to build oh, yourself up. I kissed that up. Pat Phoenix one before I went to bed last night and well, everything. she's puckered up, isn't she? <laughs> um, Gemma, you didn't receive any Coronation Street stuff for Christmas, did you? Um, thank goodness I for you. I also got you a 
Pikachu Christmas jumper. Yes, he did. And what a Pac-Man Christmas t-shirt. Yeah. What did, what did I get you? Um, what did you get me, darling? I got you I got you some stuff that you bought yourself, which was a sous vide machine. Yes, I'm going to sous vide the crap out of some chicken breasts. <laughs> and I, but I, I found you a book to go with it, a how to cook things yeah. in a sous vide book, and a stand for your sous vide machine you to did, go didn't on you? a plastic desk. Yeah, what awesome. else did that's you the get best me? Um, I got you a, a case for your for your AirPods, a little doggy you case. You got me a little cute you doggy like that? case. That, yeah, that I do nice. like that. Yeah. Good. Okay, right, that's boring. And that's um, what we did for Christmas. And we watched lots and lots of curry stuff, which we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. What we've also been doing this week is collecting all the results together of the Conversation Street Awards. And we know the results now, don't we? Nobody else, well, some people know. If Some of the winners might know that they are a winner at this point. So um, if, you're, if you're on Coronation Street and you haven't heard from us, sorry, you haven't won. But we know who the winners are. It's amazing. It was exciting, wasn't it? We put our scores in the other day and then we looked on the on the website some of them are very, very close indeed. But it's um, probably going to be early next week that we uh, that we come out and share those results with you. So if you're looking forward to seeing who was voted top lad and top lass and that's champion and so on, you've got a little bit longer to wait. We also went to the Panto. Oh, yes! Yeah, you talk about that. I feel like I've been talking too much so far this podcast. Gemma, pantomime. Pantomime me. What happened? We went to go and see Sleeping Beauty. Yes. In Leicester, yes, at the something something at the De Montfort Hall. Yeah, that's right. Which I last went to twenty years ago to see my, I think it was my first, yeah, my first ever Melanie C concert back in two thousand and one or so at the De Montfort Hall. And now I've been back. And who did we see there? But <laughs> Wendy Peters, who played Scylla. She was playing the the wicked queen, wasn't she? Oh no, she was. Was she a queen? No, she's Fairy called queen. Caraboose. Caraboss. Carab- Caraboss. She was called. And uh, she was, she, she was, she carabossed it, didn't she? She did, she was great. She did, she did, um, she did a, quite a few songs, didn't she? Yeah. By herself. She did, uh, put a spell on you, classic panto song <laughs> these days. Um, and also in an unscheduled appearance because of coronavirus, I think, we had Eric Potts who played... Uh, Diggory Compton. Diggory Compton yes. as the... Uh, he was the Dane, wasn't he? N- Nanny Nancy. Yeah, and we've just been watching him in 2005, so yeah. it was quite funny that we've seen literally one episode of him in, maybe, and, and, and now we've seen him in real life. I think he's the artistic He's the artistic director of yeah. the theatre group, which I think is called Imagine Theatres or something. That was really cool. He did a fantastic job considering awesome. that. I don't, I, he wasn't actually the understudy or, or listed anywhere. No. Um, the main... One of the other main roles was taken by an understudy, the yeah, king. king is supposed to be somebody from the X Factor, and he had to do some some solos, and he did a bloody great job. They he all did, did a fantastic. Right job, I right mean, job. not that you would expect anything less, but Wendy I know Peters that... put her, her whole heart and soul into this performance, didn't she? She, she was great. She didn't hold back. She was amazingly camp and dramatic, Loved and um, very over the top, Always. very very plummy. The villain's the best part of any. She was panto. so 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 good, but yeah, um, Eric Potts was cool as well, and then, yeah, unexpected. So it was a nice curry treat. We were just sitting ready for it to start, and it came up over the uh, over the tanner, didn't it? Yeah. And the role of the king will be played by blah blah blah, and in the role of Nanny Nancy will be Eric Potts. And I kind of leant over to you and said, "Jemma, Jemma, I, th- I think that's Digby Compton." <laughs> no, it <Ed> was. <laughs> My curry knowledge was unsurpassed. That, in case you also didn't know, so he was a baker, but he was also. Um, what's her face is Molly's dad. dad Molly's dad which is odd because she was a very kind of standard character wasn't she she was like she was very straight character. She, she was, yeah whereas he was a massive caricature 
<laughs> find out more about what we think about him when we get to our 2005-2009 discussion at some point next year. Now, speaking about my unsurpassed curry knowledge, Gemma, have you got a quiz for me this I week? I do. Final 2021 quiz. Um, I haven't got a, oh, as is yeah, tradition, pen. I haven't. <laughs> Envelope to write my scores on. Okay. There you go. Right. The, go. This is very neat because, as you know, I like, I like neat dates. So... We have the 27th to the 31st of December. Oh, nice. Here's anything. And I want a six. I got this from coronationstreet.fandom.com, by which I mean I think I, know, I think I know something that happened on the 31st of December 2006, but I'll see whether you've got a question about it. 27th of December 1971. Well, you can always ask me if I don't, if I don't ask you. I know, but I might be wrong. All right. Where does Ken get a teaching post? Bessie Street School. Correct. Yay. 27th of December 1991. Who gets beaten up when they are mistaken for their twin twin? Oh, I'm going to say that Andy gets beaten up. Yeah. Yes. Gets mistaken would... for Steve. You've been stealing radios. Yeah. 27th of December 2006. Maureen Webster returns to Germany after a love affair involving which two people? Bill and Audrey. Yep. 28th of December 2001. Which boring couple named their son Ben? <laughs> Curly and Emma. Yeah. Thanks a little clue there. Ben is not a boring name, but Curly and Emma are very dull. Curly was not dull at the beginning. I'm sorry. He sorry, just got excuse dull. Excuse me. Did I say end. boring couple or. They were a boring couple, yes. Yes. Or did yeah. I say two boring people that actually going out with each other? They were a very dull couple. Do you know where they got the name Ben from? Probably not from my parents' dog, because that would be weird. No, we do. We, yeah, it was um, Norris's middle name. Do you remember Norris was there when, when he delivered Is the baby? Ben or Benjamin? I don't know. Don't approve of Norris nicknames Benjamin for Cole. children's proper names. I'm sure that back but in the... But nobody asked me. Back in the 40s <laughs> or whenever. You would have surely been called Norris Benjamin Cole. Yeah. Not Norris Ben. Yeah. 29th of December 1986. Who crashes Rita's car? Martin. But, no, Jenny. Jenny, it was Jenny. It was Jenny, but they made it out like Martin was driving. That's right. Yes. <laughs> 29th of December 2006. After revealing she doesn't have terminal cancer, where does Stella jet off to alone? We thought of had this last week where she was in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yay. 29th of December 2011. Sean and Sophie's wedding day, but who flees the church? Sean? Yeah. Oh, good. I was just going to say, you've like... got... Have I got them all right, right so, so far? far no winning... pressure. Yes, come on. How many have you got left? Thir- three. Ah. 30th of December 2001. Who wins the Rovers in an auction? <laughs> oh. Is it, more, is it one person or more than one person? That, would that not be a spoiler? <laughs> oh, Fred Elliott. Yes. Is there an and? Or is, are no, we going to move on um, from there? I can't remember whether it was Fred and Mike and Dougie, but Fred Elliott, I'll have a point for that. Thank you very much. Will you? Yes, I will. He won with a bid of £76,000, which in today's money is £128,000. A bargain. I know. I'd buy two. Uh, 30th of December 2016. Who falls down the stairs and knocks themselves unconscious when they're looking after Jack? Webster. Anna Windass. Yeah. And who comes to her rescue? Pat Phelan. Correct, yes. I didn't, Firing it I right didn't, back at you. Didn't have that information, but I knew because I'd seen it. <laughs> 31st of December, 2006. I told you. I told you something happened. Is the answer Danny Baldwin? 
31st of December, 2006. <laughs> Final appearance of which two characters from the same family? <laughs> Danny and Frankie Baldwin. Yeah. Yes. Like that, full house. Full house. Thank you very much. I'm pleased with that one. That was a good set of questions this week, Gemma. Nice quiz. Thank you very much. That was your, your best quiz ever. You could just make them like that every week. I could make them so you'd always know all the answers. Is that what people want from this show? <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not They doing... want it so they can beat me every week, all those people playing along at home. That's what it is. I'm not doing any more quizzes after this now. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. You are. No, that's my New Year's resolution. No No more boring quizzes. (laughs) It's not boring, it's the best bit. First to 7th of January birthday. So again, I like this. First to the 7th of January. Oh, yeah. I hope you've got years ending in a 2 and a 7. For next time. Oh, no, that's the quiz, isn't it? You lose a mark for being stupid. Ah. 1st of January, Michelle Holmes, who played Tina Fowler, and Jimmy Mystery, who played Cal Nazir. Wow, imagine every year having your birthday on your hangover day. First of January was that. Yeah. Do you think when they could do the countdown for New Year's to go five, four, three, two, one, happy, happy birthday? birthday. <laughs> I think I'd demand it. I would that. demand it. What's the point? Otherwise, I'll fifth... tell you what, Gemma. We'll never know because it's a Jimmy mystery. <laughs> Let's have a baby. Thank you, everybody. There's and the baby's born on the first of January. Hmm? Unless we have a baby. Oh, yeah. And then the baby can decide. Yes. I don't think we're going to. I'm not definitely not going to have a baby that's called Jimmy Mystery. <laughs> definitely not this week. It's strange, isn't it? Um, <laughs> 5th of January, Harry Elton, who is Coronation Street's first uncredited executive producer. I know. 6th of... <laughs> oh. Okay, well, Tim Aspinall was born on the 6th of January. Who's that then? <laughs> writer. Producer and writer. Producer, writer. And then Maker. on the 7th of January, Helen Worth. Gail. Terence Maynard. Helen Worth's not a real name. Mm, Terence Maynard. That was um that was um um thingy, wasn't it? Jason's dad. Who was um Tony Stewart the second. Tony Stewart the second. And yeah. Emma Stansfield. I don't know who that is. Ronnie Clayton and Zara Abrams. No. Joanne Jackson. Oh, okay, we saw seen Happy some birthday, of them, everyone, Happy birthday, including everybody there. fake Helen Worth. Yes, yes. Right, um I think that's it. Should we talk about what we thought about Christmassy Times on Coronation Street? Yes. Let's do it. Christmas Street Talk time! Gemma, <laughs> did you enjoy Christmas on Coronation Street this week? Was it not the greatest Christmas ever? That's what online says. What do you think? I am going to go for 100%. Loved it. Thought it was the best Christmas ever because I've been listening to you moaning about it. <laughs> oh, and I think we need some balance. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. No, look, actually, I tell look, you what, look. Gemma's told me I'm not allowed to moan too much about Christmas because it might wreck the Christmas spirit, but I happen to think that Christmas Day's episode was fairly poor. And that was just that me. Bad. I'm glad that everybody else enjoyed it. But, you know, I like a bit of plot. It's bad because I complain about there being, it being too plot-heavy over character-heavy, and I totally get how it was a character, character-y Christmas Day. But I was sitting there watching it going, not much going on here, actually. Not, not much happening. And I think part of the problem was I'd, um, in my head, as you probably know if you listened to last week's podcast, had built some very firm predictions of things that would absolutely definitely happen on Christmas Day, and none of it really did. One of which I didn't want to happen, so I was thinking that Emma was maybe going to get married to Curtis as a, as a Christmas Day around the piano sing-song thing, where he's not he... even shown his face. Yeah, me too. I'm surprised that he's not around. And I was um, pretty convinced that... Um, that Fizz and Tyrone would have a lovely romantic reunion. I was expecting it to be a sort of um, love actually run to the, uh, the, the the plane 
airport place and then she'd turn around and say no Tyrone I like you or, or me or, she, or she'd say, say Phil take your mum instead or something and then they'd sort of have a lovely Christmassy embrace I think it was the TV guides the, the, the mags the, the pictures on the front that um, that spoiled me on that one because all the pictures were Fizz and Tyrone together weren't they and I was like oh yeah they're getting back together at Christmas I wish I hadn't been spoiled about that but okay and I built it up to be saying big in my mind and it wasn't really anything it was just Phil and Tyrone having a bit of a scrap and Fizz and, Fizz and here um kind of in a worse state now, romantically, than they were even a week ago. Um, th- there are other things that will come out as, as the street talk goes on, I'm sure, that, that made me not so happy with Christmas Day's episode. But I'll try not to spoil everyone else's enjoyment. And Gemma, like you said, you can um, you can be the, the yin to my yang on that one. I want to point out that um, Tyrone Dobbs is officially less appealing than a donkey. Okay. And Isn't he? <laughs> but I enjoy I'm doing pretty much the rest of the week. I think my favourite day of the week that we're gonna talk about is Christmas Eve. I really, really love Christmas Eve episode Coronation Street. And everything else has been okay. Um although it has been tough being an Abby fan this week. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> Abby has caused some if you, if you think me saying that Christmas Day Cory wasn't the best thing sliced since sliced bread was a bit of Cory controversy for you, you should read all the threads and the and, and Twitter posts and everything about uh, about Abby this week because whoa, people People aren't really aren't really a fan of her uh, at the moment, are they? No. Though I don't. Maybe maybe after last night's episode, there's been a change of opinion on that. I haven't actually seen whether people have uh, gone back on themselves. But all this and more is to come. But first, of course, we need to see what are the Christmas storyline titles we got for this week. I've got some pretty terrible ones and one quite good one. So Daniel has got rid of Daisy Gemma, so I'm calling that bit of the storyline Daisy Cutter. Do you know what that is? It's a part of a bomb, apparently. What's it do? Um, I don't know. I, I looked at, I just looked at searching for Daisy things on Google, desperately trying. Daisy Cutter, something to do with a bomb. Yeah, well, I'll have that one. This That is incredibly disrespectful to people who've been blown up. By a, by a bomb with a Daisy Cutter, I don't know. Somebody, somebody can tell me. Uh, we'll also, in that bit, talk about um, Jenny and Leo. Leo's back, who'd have thought? I didn't think I'd see him again. I call that bit of the story, the cougar and the lion. Jenny's a bit of a cougar in this, isn't he? And, you know, the other lion. The other lion. Um, I thought Adam said that he wanted a long lion uh, this week, but he said lion, not yeah, lion. lion, lion. Um, Nina Wright State is what we call the Nina story because she is in a right state. Nina, I told you I had some terrible ones this week. I don't know why you do this. Some, like Almost every week you'll tell me that you've got some bad puns. Yeah. And I don't know why because I know they're bad. I just need to prepare you because some people go, never, oh, Michael, I love beginning a street tour. What amazing puns has Michael got for storyline titles this week? So I need people not to get the hopes up. But there is one coming. My really expectations could not be lower. So you're all right. Right. The Abby story this week is Abby watching you. That's not what my best one. Um, the one about somebody, Tyrone, yeah, he wants number nine back off fist, doesn't he? So he can sell it. That storyline is no, cool. No, he doesn't. No, what's, the, what's going on? He she wants... wants him to sell the house and he's like, no, give it back. Yeah, he wants the house back. And she's saying, or he's saying, I don't know, nine danker. What does that mean? <laughs> it's German, isn't it? Yeah. Nine danker. No, thank you. Nine. Oh, Number danker nine. does not danker. a pun for anything. That's not a pun. Right, here's my good one, everybody. Right. If you're going to give your girlfriend a funeral for Christmas present, full-on funeral package, the mahogany coffin, the the, the horse and cart, the the gravestone, the the whole works, everything was included in this, all in one funeral package. What you shouldn't do, as Eileen did, here comes the storyline title, is... (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you think this is a good one? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, okay, that's a good one. That is a good, good one. one. Then we got a bit more of the Trucy Barlow story, uh, Silence of the Sams, and the Case of the Munchies to finish what off the week. Which one? Case of the Munchies. Case of the Munchies. That's, that's Emma and... Uh, Emma and Munchausen, oh, isn't it, boy? He's, he's he wasn't in it, he wasn't in it. And also Faye was doing some driving lessons in then as well, but by the time we reached that bit, we'll have run out of street talk steam. <laughs> Luckily, um, it's not particularly interesting. So, the daisy cutter stuff. So, Friday first, like I said, Christmas Eve. My This is my favourite day of the week, Corey-wise. And it starts off with Daniel Round at number one, talking about Daisy non-stop. He is obsessed with her. And Ken says, look, you're banging on about her so much. You must have feelings for her, surely. Um, and this is when he has his scene about saying... Um, I can't remember what the context of it was now, but he was like saying, oh yeah, people, I, I was a bit of a player when I was in my youth and uh, Deirdre could have had any man that she wanted. She was called Sexy Specs. You know who she had? Me, Ken Barlow. I thought that was great. Anyway, uh, she, she. meanwhile, Daisy is getting ready for the launch of this new body butter because she's off with her Ashley to some football body butter launch thing. She's very excited about going, getting papped, been all over social media. Week? That was last Friday, Jeez, wasn't it? I know, I know. Um, and then Daniel comes into the pub, says, do you, want to, do you want to go for a drink, missus? But she can't because she's going to this thing. And he kind I'm going of, to this thing. He, he, she tells him what he's off, what she's off to and he kind of rolls, to rolls his thing. eyes at this and then says, look, well, maybe one day you'll find Ashley's brain. Why did he say that? Because he's he's rude. He doesn't like them. He thinks no, it's they're probably, all thick. No, probably a punchline to a joke or something, which I haven't written down. Anyway, next we've got Adam seeing Daniel in the cafe looking totally lonely and says, oh, do you want to come out for a wee dram tonight? Um, no. Does he go out? I can't remember where he goes. Daisy and Ashley, meanwhile, are at this body butter launch. Where could it be? Bistro? No, no, no. Speed dial? No, it's been burned been down. down. Full. Of course, Chariot Square, the other venue on Coronation Street. So she's getting very excited about this. She's got a little gift bag with all the things in there. Um, but sadly, her and Ashley don't seem to be connecting very well. And uh, he's, he's, uh, he starts doing some Instagram selfies for himself, doesn't he? Because he's just as vacuous as she is. But tell you what, um, she knows how to say specifically. So she's already up, well, one up in the brains department there. Can I just say that it's not necessarily um, vacuous to take photos of yourself. No, but that's what I know that lots of people think here. that it is. But I think um, if you're beautiful, why not have at it? Yeah, yeah. You lucky bitch. <laughs> so, Daniel and Adam go into the bistro. Oh, yeah, they do, for their wee dram. But, well, you know, Sarah and Lydia are there, and um, and Lydia's reading a book that Daniel loves. Um, I can't remember what it was, but the author of the book put a tweet out later that day, or, or the next day, saying, oh, my book was on Coronation Street. He's well proud of it. So, meanwhile... I thought it was 101 Jokes for the Toilet Room. No, not that. It was a, it was a high... One of these highbrow books that the, the, the clever clogs... Please, like Mrs. Daniel Butler... Read. No, I love that one, though. Um, the Bible Part 3. I don't think Daniel would read that. Meanwhile... I would. Wouldn't you? I would. I think anyone would. Bible. If they brought a new one out and they said, look... The New New Testament. Everything you need to know is in here and it even clears up that whole gay thing. <laughs> everyone would buy it. Instant bestseller. Meanwhile, Daisy is getting a bit bored. She's Especially over the body butter. if mm. there were signings. Signings? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Personalised <laughs> signings there. <laughs> From the hand of God. <laughs> Daisy's getting bored. She's realising that things are getting a little bit superficial at this body butter launch thing. And she's also well on her way to being drunk too, which um, Daniel uh, actually reminds her he pacifically told her not to do. I was going to say, I was watching to prepare for the release of Emily in Paris season two, the first one. And there is a 
um, a product launch episode where she goes and it was like almost it was like I was watching it again yeah I think they've watched uh, Million Paris before they did this <laughs> it wasn't exactly the same, the, was it? no it was nowhere near the same but it's just kind of funny that to how funny it's like Oh, so modern. A product <laughs> launch. So she decides, Dan, da- Daniel, no, Daisy decides that she's going to bog off there. She's, she starts getting a bit snappy with Ashley and she says, well, you know what, I've had a better offer, so screw you, Ashley. I'm off. She stumbles onto the street with her, with her panda eyes. She's, she's got got a mascara all down her face. She leaves a message on Daniel's intercom about, oh, it's so important. Uh, I, I need you. Oh, I don't want to come back for you. But then the door opens and it's Ken there because he's, uh, he's been babysitting Bertie. That was Daniel's really funny, yeah. She, she, like, she, she opens, she pours her heart out and then he, down the and, phone. And, and Ken comes down with his glasses in his hand going, sorry. <laughs> he should have been like, I still of, got it. Hey, Ken Barlow. <laughs> you know, they used to call me sexy specs sometimes. <laughs> What was it that somebody said about Ken uh, later on this week? It might have been in yesterday. It was Daisy. She said he was a right goer. Oh, no, it was. I thought that. Um, um, yeah, Day- he said um, Barlow by name. Set the Barlow by nature where women are concerned or something. I don't know. So she, How she dare said it. You say that about she sexy specs. Anyway, so she she goes off to the Christmas market, but what do you know? Daniel is there, snogging her face off, Lydia. Because all it takes is to find somebody who's read the same book as him and he's right in there. Wow. Why not? Christmas Day, Saturday. Daisy ducks out of Christmas at Rita's by saying, right, I'll, I'll help clear up at the Christmas market because we didn't put things away properly yesterday. Or you didn't, Jenny. Uh, no, Jenny's... it was her job, wasn't it? No, no, it was Jenny's job. Oh, no, it was job. Jenny's job. Jenny she says she's going to give moaning. herself a right rollicking later. Okay. <laughs> we didn't get to see that. No. Uh, Jenny's not opening the pub on Christmas Day because it's her first Christmas without Johnny. Oh. Um, and they end up, um, so the, 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 we see a load of the Christmas stuff, market stuff. Then um, uh, Daisy's opening up the stall. She's handing out free booze to people who turn up. Bernie's there, Dev there. Zed. Basically, the story of Christmas Day is half the characters on the street get kicked out of their home for various familial spats that have been going on and they all converge at the Cro- the Rovers, um, at the, uh, the Victoria Street Christmas Market, which is obviously the place to be because it's been there three weeks now and people are still finding new reasons to go there and spend their afternoon whiling away the hours getting mulled wine, mechanical Jesuses, and fudge. Mary's meats and fudge. And that literally is all there seems to be. But not- Baby clothes. Oh yeah, but there's something extra special there on Christmas Day because they decide to get a piano out. In proper classic Corrie tradition, they've, they've definitely done this before, haven't they? They've wheeled the piano out of the street and had Ina Sharples tinkling away on the ivories. But this time it's the Archdeacon himself, Reverend Mayhew, who gets to lead the whole Corrie crowd in a lovely old sing-song. But it almost gets, um, gets cold water poured on it by Jenny because she turns up with a face like thunder. But it's just a joke. She joins in. She goes, Oi, Billy, only one thing I've got to say to you. Wish it could be Christmas every day in B-flat. And then she joins in and everyone's there pretty much, joining in, having a lovely time. And Jenny tells Daisy that she's proud of her. As somebody Aww. who's not musical, mm. is that a joke? Or it can, is B-flat, is that, is that a logical thing to say? It, it, what does it, that mean? It just means play it in the key of B flat. Why can you have? Why? Why isn't it not just the song? Why can't it you just play? It probably is. It song? probably is. I don't know whether Does Jenny that... knows, um, like, 
one, does Jenny know what well, range she see, has as a singer? Well, that's what I we mean. know that Jenny does have excellent singing talent she does, from her she is days singing. treading the boards for She's Alec singing, Gilroy. Yeah, because that's where she was coming home from when she drove the car into a ditch. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Or, you know, and, and can Billy just play any Christmas song in any key? From memory. That's a talent. Well, he is a vicar. If he couldn't play Christmas songs. <laughs> I don't think they play. I wish it could be Christmas every day How at midnight mass. How are you supposed to get the atheists in? <laughs> So, so when she said in B flat, did, you didn't go, oh, you can't play that song in B flat? Or can you play any song in any key? You can, yes. Really? You can transpose So what does it. that mean? You just start from a different number? Yeah, instead of going, da, 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 yeah. you go. It just starts in a different Doesn't it just go up on. higher? Look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't understand music. That is my musical knowledge imparted Music's... to all you listeners. And Gemma. It's all lies. Monday. So, Jenny says, I'm going to do something fun with you today, Daisy. Fancy a bit of a bop, do a bit of a dance. I used to be able to do the splits, don't you know? And then she tries to prove it. And while she's down there on the floor, which is quite amusing, who walks in the door but Leo? Grieving period is over. He's decided... Jenny must be up for a bit of rumpy pumpy with me by now. I bet his Google search is full of how long do you leave it before? Yeah, after your after your potential love interest husband has drowned down a sinkhole, what is the appropriate grieving period? Oh, a month and a half. Yeah, fine. Sounds sounds nice good to one. me. Or well, two months maybe. Yeah, sorted. Christmas romance rekindling sorted. Um, no, she she's been avoiding his texts apparently because um, she's. She's not sure. She knows there's an age gap. He doesn't. She doesn't really want to go out on a date for him tomorrow. Daisy's egging her on, uh, but Jenny says to Daisy, "Look, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I, <laughs> I had to use Google to translate most of his texts for one thing, which is quite funny." Um, and Daisy says, "Look, you're not being honest with yourself here. You're into him, and you deserve to have some fun." Um, so they do. On Tuesday, Leo comes back to see Jenny. Um, and he invites her to come and see him play rugby later. She's not really a fan of that, freezing her knackers off in the uh, in the cold on, you know, in the Christmas to New Year's week. But he's able to twist her arm, um, which is one of his rugby moves, probably. Jenny <laughs> wraps herself. That's that also shows what I know about sport. I can I can tell you about music, Gemma, but is twisting somebody's arm a rugby move? Not a clue. And I went to school. In you rugby. might do it in a scrum. I was on the wing when I played rugby at school. They wouldn't let us do rugby. Yeah, your dad went into school all, to complain. It wasn't just my dad. All the all the dads said no. No girls playing rugby. We were only playing against each other. Was it only touch rugby as well? Yeah, they wanted to do touch rugby. I wish my dad had come marched down the school and said, Michael isn't allowed Too to delicate. play rugby. Yeah, but yeah, my dad would let me play rugby <laughs> at school, but he, all, he sent me to karate and judo lessons. <laughs> That's so funny. I need to ask him about that one day. Anyway. No, because you just get angry and start shouting about <laughs> Jenny wraps herself all warm to go and see the match. She's really not happy about it. And, uh, and Ronnie's there as well, getting his episode count up before the end of the year, <laughs> finding it all very amusing. Um, she comes back. She's had a smashing time. What a surprise. Seems to have been a bit of a turn on for her as well, because um, she, they're barely in, in the pub for 30 seconds before she's there kind of teasing him out to the back and, and kind of ushering... Maybe upstairs, or maybe they just had some cake in the back room, I don't know. But whatever it was, it was pretty sweet, because uh, they end the episode snogging each other's faces off, and making some hilarious innuendo-filled remark about his tackle. And that's the end of that story. 
Gemma. Is that the end of that story? It was, it was a short one. I wanted to put that first because I wanted to get the Christmas sing song as the first story that we talked about because then when the other stories say and everyone goes for a Christmas sing song then we know what Christmas sing song we're talking about because there's probably some people listening to this who haven't seen it. I don't know why you would but apparently there are. Maybe people are interacting with family members instead of watching Coronation Street this Christmas. We'll see the, the, uh, the viewing figures later on in the news section. That, um, there were one or two people in the country that weren't watching it, let's just say. How did you enjoy this week's Daisy and Jenny stuff, Coxie? Um, Daisy and Jenny stuff. Yes, yeah, so just, you just heard me talk. Yeah, about all right, that. Michael. The thing is about this week is that I've kind of divided it rather than into stories, but into days. I know, I know. So I'm really, and you started off going on about the Christmas Day episode and I'm just confuddled now. I see. I I enjoyed this stuff on the whole. Um, I'm thinking that still Daisy is continuing to improve and improve and improve. And I know what Sal said when I talked to her a couple of months ago that you know Daisy can't just be nice all the time because that's really boring. But I am enjoying seeing her being nice. And I know she's still got her, her, her nasty bitchy side that I'm sure will come out again. But I'm enjoying see her seeing her, you know, opening up a little bit, um, be showing her vulnerable side with the, with the intercom message for Daniel. I, I, I did get kind of sad for her when she went off to the market and Daniel was there snogging Lydia's face off um, and, and, she had her, and she had her panda eyes and everything. I am really, really enjoying Daisy at the moment. She is ace and you wouldn't have caught me saying that this time last year. But I was a bit down on both her and Rita for clearly dumping Rita for Hang Christmas on, Day. Her and Jenny. Her and Jenny. Yeah, sorry. Um, they, were supposed to, they were supposed to go to Rita's, weren't they? And I know. Rita managed to get her... Uh, she, she was in one scene at the beginning of the Christmas Day episode. She didn't even get to sing. Why they didn't? Why they had a massive sing-song on the street? Didn't and invite Rita. It's because it's probably Barbara Knox is saying, I'll be there look, as long as you put me right in the centre. Like, oh. Spotlight on me. And they're saying, sorry. We've Daniel got real... Brocklebank's like, no, I refuse to perform <laughs> if it's not to going to be me on the piano. headlining. Babs has stolen her last song from my lips. <laughs> Don't you know that I'm a soap star superstar, Daniel Brocklebank? No, I, I think he was. Exactly. I think he, he did a... Um, we did that show, didn't he, a few years ago, where he said, look Fantastic. at me pipes. Oh, didn't... Oh, and Cap Tilsley was a lot... Was a just spoiling in the news t- section. There's, t- there's not much news this week, Jamie. You're not allowed to talk about it Don't yet. pretend you didn't hear that, everybody. I think that Rita wanted to have, like, the whole stage for herself, and they're like, look, we're trying to get half the cast on socially distanced two metres spots from each other. We can't give... You just have to go where you put Barbara. She's like, I'm out of here. I'm not doing it. Screw you. Where's, where's the gin? I don't but, share no, the I billing. Felt, I felt a little bit bad for her because Daisy was clearly not interested in spending any time with Rita and and Jenny. I mean, it was still it was still midway through the afternoon. You don't know what they did after this. They could have all they gone back to Rita's, and she would have gone. Uh, my potatoes are ruined. <laughs> I don't know. I felt, I felt bad for her. That was all. Um, I still think that though with Daisy and Jan. Oh, Daisy bit, and John. I'm oh, sorry, I'm just a little bit windy today. We just had a nice we, we really, for lunch. I'm sorry, we shouldn't. We have had a that. massive, massive burger. I feel and, horrible. And I couldn't finish it, and that's not like me. Yeah. I still think that Daisy and Daniel are inevitably going to be getting back together now that they've set up this. Oh, they're right for each other, but oh, some, they've, somebody's whisked Daniel away, and I and I am again very surprisingly to myself all for this rekindling of their relationship. I think they could be quite good together. But then maybe maybe Daniel and Lydia have got possible potential. I don't know. Daniel and Lydia? Well, yeah, because, you know, reading the same book together. What more do you need? Uh... 
The thing is, we don't know enough about Lydia yet to um, be able to say whether she's the right match for Daniel. She seems to me very much like Phil is. And everyone keeps talking, like, I've heard some people online going, oh, Phil's mysterious, he's up to something, I think he's sinister, he's got some tricks up his sleeve. He's just a plot device. I think it's the same as Lydia. Well, Lydia is kind of in there as a plot device for Adam, isn't he? And Isn't she? And so with with Daniel being related to Adam, I'm sure it's going to cause all manner of mix-ups and... Uh, and stuff at some point in the near future. Do we need to but, get somebody in from the uh, genealogy department to sort of just stop people from shagging each other on the no, street? Let them at, let them at it. There's too many people that might be related to each other. Oh yeah, that's that's quite. Not possible. that Adam and Daniel are, are going to get in any trouble on that front. I wouldn't have thought. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, I think that that's possibly just going to be an extra thorn in the side of the Sarah and Adam story but um, eventually Daniel and Daisy are going to end up back together and um, yeah why not all Next. for it um, 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 Leo Gemma happy to see him back again no surprised to see him back again yeah I am a bit he's a plot device yeah he really is I really well I hope he is but I thought he'd served his purpose I don't get it either he was there to what did he do in Horonation Street? He went, oh dear, this should have been fixed a while ago. Yeah, don't don't fall down there, anybody. I'm looking at you, Jenny. The, fo- the, the floor is terrible. Yeah, no, you think he would have turned up before now and said, I feel a bit, I feel a bit responsible for this because I was supposed to fix that. Has, and it, has it been fixed by this point? That's what I want to know. What's he been doing this whole time? Is it his job just to come and point out a hole and go... <laughs> That needs filling up, because I could do that job. That's a bit big, but hole, isn't it? Look at that bland, massive hole. Yeah. You're in trouble with that one, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think that we are um, now to believe that the sinkholes, all of the sinkholes, the many numerous sinkholes that opened up two months ago have now just been filled up. Don't ask any more so questions, is this, actually. The moral of the story is, right, if you've got a problem, leave it long enough that it becomes impossible Deadly. for you to fix because it's too expensive... But then allow it to get even worse to the point at which it becomes a natural disaster and therefore it's not your responsibility anymore. It's the, the local council. And then, and then it just solves itself. Very efficient local council, I have to say. Um, yeah, it's no, because Maria and Sally haven't been voted in yet. <laughs> um, I didn't want to see Leo again. I think it's... I, I think that... The, oh, yeah, I've talked about you just want all your, all your Corrie women to remain virginal forever. And unspoiled, just like Queen Elizabeth the First. No, I think that having no, I think that having our red-haired, our flame-haired Queen. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I just think that he is oddly young for her. But I've talked about this on the podcast before, and I and and I've also had I'm just insulting the same listeners every time when I say that age gaps are a bit odd for me. I think that you should only go out with somebody who's (laughs) in the same year with you at school. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I did to Gemma, and it served me well. And even then, you still make fun of me because you are nine months younger than yeah. I am, and you will not let me forget it. And you make a big deal about it every year. It just—it just feels a little bit like they've run out of stuff to do with Jenny. They don't know what to do with her at the moment, and it's like, oh, she's been single for a couple of months now. I know that I know that she had got over Johnny before then because they—they they had a, a long, long, long farewell, hadn't they? Those two. But um, I was quite surprised at how eager she was to say stuff him is a hot young rugby player for me to jump into bed with and uh, i mean i i don't know it uh, maybe there is a good story coming up with that but um i don't see them going anywhere as a couple um 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm it's... not really fussed on uh, Leo. I don't. He's not got a personality yet. I, no, that's that's a problem, and he's and he's had a few weeks to have a to try and develop one, but clearly not managed it. I wonder whether Jenny's like. Gonna... Here's here's a news flash, right? What? This one's for all the men out there. That is me. Sports, not a personality. And then, because I don't want to be sexist to all the women, shopping, also not a personality. <laughs> so if that's all you've got going for you, develop some new hobbies. Uh, podcasting, is that a personality? Definitely. That is one of the most insufferable personality types of all. <laughs> I wonder whether Jenny's like going to regret it, whether she's going to you know wake up the next day in bed next to Leo and go, oh, Johnny, what have I done? I've... I've, I've besmirched your memory or something. Don't know. There's no story it there just either, is me there? A little bit, to be honest. Very odd. Uh, nice. Always good to see Jenny in the show, um, doing something other than getting drunk. As fun as that is, but um, is this the direction she the character try, needs to go in? I don't know. She should try getting drunk at rugby. Do you reckon? Yeah, why not? Okay, right. Let's let's move on to the next story then, Kim. This is going to be a long long street talk as it is anyway. Nina Wright State. What's Nina going? staring at us from a car. I know, just ignore them. Just okay. ignore them. They wonder what we're doing with the window. We're sitting in bed. Sitting in bed. In the afternoon. Talking into a microphone. With a blind Person cat. in the car outside. Nothing wrong with that. What are they doing? They're just reversing around the close. Okay, right. Nina, On Friday, Nina. Nina. Carla tells Nina that Roy has replied to her six millionth email, giving her his landline number, um, and he says he's fine and he's going to call her tomorrow. Nina tomorrow. So she's spoken to him. He's, he's going to get a Christmas he's gonna phone give, call from gonna Roy. Give, yeah. Nina tells Remember Ashley. Christmas. Nina tells Ashley she's having Christmas alone because she doesn't do Christmas. I said Ashley here. So you just read them. This is the thing with this. Who's Ashley? Ashley is Asher. Oh. It's also correcting all <laughs> I was over like, the place. What's I just ignored that. Ashley. Ashley the footballer. <laughs> Asher. Um, Carla comes into the cafe and says, come for Christmas. And she says, no. Tell you what. It's really lovely that she has the option to decide if she wants to do Christmas or not. But I feel really bad for everybody who has to spend Christmas by themselves and doesn't get half a million people bashing down their door trying to ask them if they want to spend Christmas. I know. She's blimmin' rude, she is. (laughs) On Saturday... Christmas Day. um, Abby says, come for a snowball around my house. And she says, no, because Roy's going to phone me up. And then Asha brings Nina a bangle for Christmas and she says, I've got, <laughs> we've got Dev, a lifestyle cardboard cutout of his naked calendar shoot, which is hilarious. And where is that? Exactly. Why didn't we get to see that? Come that on. That would have been a good Christmas Curry, present. teasing us. That would have been a good thing that they could have got in the papers with. Corey fans aghast at Christmas gaff as Dev gets his sprouts out. Yeah. It's a particularly hairy kiwi. <laughs> Um, okay, she did a little come round. Nina says, I can't come over, I don't do Christmas. Again. And I don't understand why Asha didn't say, we're Hindu, so <laughs> I think you can decide what whatever you would like to put in, in the beginning of this day. It yeah. doesn't have to be Christmas. <laughs> it can just be National Festive Holiday Day. Anyway. Nina doesn't do festive. That's what she should have said. <laughs> um, you can do whatever you like, I don't care. It just, it's she just has the way, started to incorporate way, a bit more red into her wardrobe as we're getting closer to Christmas, though, to be fair. It's one of these things where I don't... Like, do Christmas or don't do Christmas. But again, like sports and shopping, it's not your personality. You don't need to be so attached to not doing Christmas mm-hmm. that you have to tell everybody all the time. But she wouldn't tell people if they wouldn't stop inviting her. If they'd stop inviting her. 
Next. What does that mean anyway? You you are, you're going to be alive on Christmas Day, aren't she you? Just has, yeah, but she just wants to spend Christmas Day wiping the. Um, what she means is, I don't want. Thing. I don't. She doesn't mean I don't do Christmas. She means I mope on Christmas Day. Yeah. Well, that's a different thing altogether, isn't it? I just don't like people that are. What's the word? Wallowing. That's what she's doing. She's wallowing in her in her lack of Christmas spirit. And what happened to the last person who did that? It got visited by a series of ghosts. <gasps> That'd be cool. She'd love that, wouldn't she? She would think that was fantastic. <laughs> She'd suddenly love Christmas after that. And also, Go- if what ghost of her mum, ghost of her dad, ghost of Seb. If yes, that would have been great. <laughs> also, if Nina is so up on her history and Victorianism, she would know that the Victorians created most of the festivities surrounding Christmas and the traditions, and she'd probably be a bit more onto that. And she'd also be into the tradition of Christmas ghost stories, which is kind of a lost art these days, isn't I, it? Yes. Christmas used to be a time for ghost stories. I've learned this over the last few days. You taught me that. Yeah, because that's why Christmas Carol is a ghost story. Because oh. that used to be that. That's what you did. It wasn't Halloween. You told ghost well, stories. Well, hopefully, plenty more Christmassy features for Nina, and she can do a Christmas ghost story. And in Japan, the come. time for telling ghost stories is summer. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so she says, "Look, um, I'm not going to do Christmas. I'm going to go home, and I'll let you know when I'm home safely." Which is like that's weird because you live around the corner. She sees Carla outside, and they they sort of gather around the Argos advert so that they can get their money. This makes me think that, like, at the end of the year, Argos was like, "Well, well, ITV, we've been looking at how often we've been on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we think we really liked the we really liked the um." expanding coffee table thing that was good <laughs> but where's our giant christmas advert so they had to put that in they had that and they had a very obvious happy christmas from ee on christmas they day did. as well didn't they it was blatant it was what's the co-op no thank doing? you co-op marketing people need to get on this <laughs> and now i've now we we've seen this scene where sarah had her magical coffee table every single time I'm we're, I'm looking at a set where it's been slightly done up. I'm like, what bits of this are from Argos? When are we when we were in, um, when the viewers were watching Tyrone in Emma's flat, or his flat, or whatever. I was like, there's a there's a pink chest of drawers there. I wonder if that's off Argos. Oh look at that! <laughs> look at that laundry basket. I wonder if that's off Argos. I'm not thinking this. I am. It's re- I'm really distracting myself. Anyway, they have a conversation. Carla says, Father Christmas is bringing you something very special. And she goes, don't do Christmas. Later on, Nina's giving the cafe a clean. She looks at her phone. Where's Roy? Why hasn't he phoned her? And then she turns around and he's there. And she, presumably she says, I don't do Christmas. So you've got to come back tomorrow. Um, they have a lovely hug. I was going to call back. I was gonna call her a hypocrite liar when later on they start pulling crackers and they're all black. I was like, Nina, this is preparation. You've got black goth crackers and you don't do Christmas. But it turns out they were a gift from Asher. Yes. So her hands are clean on that one. <laughs> but they also had black Christmas hats too, didn't they? I thought it was, yeah, it's cool. Can you get those from Argos? Please let me know. Roy says, um, I was in Peru. I realised it's kind of dull here and they can solve their don't own problems. I don't know why Emily stayed here so long. Um, I promise I will look after you and I'm sorry. And she says, um, I'm having panic attacks. And he's like, well, that's a bit of a downer, isn't it, on Christmas Day? She also starts to ta- she also starts to pretend that she's reading a joke, which is what did what what is it to do with? I don't remember what did at you hear all. the one about the uncle who, ba- who abandoned his niece? Oh what, yeah. No, what do you call an uncle who abandons his niece on Christmas Day? And Roy's like, well, not me. I literally came. I'm back. here. <laughs> do you know how much it costs to get from Peru at Christmas on Christmas Day? 
Right, they go outside and they join in the street party. Yeah. Whoop de whoop. Nobody's like, hey, Roy's back. Nobody goes, Nina, get out. Come back tomorrow. We don't do goths. <laughs> we don't do goths on Christmas. Sunday, I'm sorry everybody who has a good reason to not do Christmas. It just kind of, it Emma always really seems to Christmas. me to be people that want to tell you they don't do Christmas in the most obnoxious way as though you're doing something wrong by enjoying Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. It's like the most simple holiday of just eating chicken or turkey or whatever. <laughs> anyway, on Sunday, Nina's getting texts from Asha and she's avoiding them. She's inviting her to Christmas meal at the bistro. Apparently she doesn't do Boxing Day either. <laughs> <laughs> Roy tells her she needs to tell Asha about her anxieties if she wants the relationship to endure. So while they're at the bistro, Nina opens up to Asha about how anxious she has been and she feels that she's cursed and everyone's going to leave and she's going to lose everybody. And Asha says, look, why don't you track me? Because this will be the, the solution to a healthy relationship is that you can see where I am at all times. And at no point will there be an awkward situation whereby you assume something according to the location on the phone that I'm at. And it's actually a big misunderstanding. But then we fall out about it. That's that's definitely got future story potential right there, hasn't or, it? Or um, she's going to get kidnapped by somebody. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to get beaten up and left for dead somewhere. And Nina's going to be able to find her. Or, um, yeah, she's going to go off with some other guy, maybe. Yeah. So some way it's, I think, and it hasn't come up again later this week, has it? Although there was, there was a time when Nina, I think it was maybe the next day that Nina was worried where Asher was and that her phone had run out of battery. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's just been snuck in there so that we can have another, another trollop tracking storyline coming up. Are you calling Asher a trollop? No. On Monday. You don't have to track trollops with a trollop tracker. It's just a bonus. Yeah. On Monday, Nina's had a good night's Don't sleep. I've seen, picture, I've seen pictures are on the internet, you know. Oh, yeah, tries to right, get that video right. down. <laughs> on, oh, on Monday, Nina's had a good night's sleep because she's finally... She feels like her the weight and anxiety has been lifted. Because <laughs> Christmas is over. Boxing like, Day's no, over. Yeah, There's no people, special day. Nobody's invited no me around. for the 27th of December. For, the, for their stupid festival activities. So Asha's going to take her shopping. They come back. She's in a good mood. Roy thinks that... Um, Something's gone mouldy. I don't understand what that's going to do with anything. He just mentioned it. Oh, it's because... It's because... No, it's because it's a Christmas present, isn't it? It's actually a mouldy Christmas present. No, there's just just the particularly ripe wheel of cheese that he finds in the back. I thought it was because it was a mouldy old chess set from the 1936 Nottingham Chess Tournament. No, but that was a nice scene, wasn't it? Um, It's widely considered to be the greatest tournament ever. I thought that was really cute. I, I mean, should have looked up whether this was actually a thing. No, I'm the 1936 like really curious. Nottingham chess tournament. Like, yeah, Nina gives him this proper antique chess set with all of all the pieces there, apart from a, a missing white knight. So she she gives him a little um, little train instead. Yeah, and I thought that doesn't even fit on the square. And it's but not, it goes on its end. She thought of that. She did, and then it's got a little pointy hat like a bishop and everything. Well done. Well, I tell you what, it doesn't even have its own Wikipedia entry. The Nottingham nineteen thirty six chess tournament. Uh, I'll read this directly from Wikipedia. The Nottingham nineteen thirty six chess tournament was a fifteen player round robin tournament held on August the tenth to the twenty eighth at the University of Nottingham. It was one of the strongest of all time. What Dr. makes a good chess it- tournament? Um, Dr. J. Hannock wrote, when it comes to awarding the plum for the greatest chess tournament ever, in 1936, the Nottingham tournament was certainly just that. And <laughs> W.H. Watts wrote, the most important chess event the world has so far seen. Very good. Bloody hell. 
I don't know how much this chess set must have set Nina back then. She kind of made it seem like she just sort of stumbled across. And also, why isn't this not in the hands of somebody who's like, he's a great chess aficionado? Well, it is now. It is now, isn't it? Um, Anyway, (laughs) I just love that that's real. That's so funny. I guess B-flat also also must have been real then. They wouldn't jerk us around at Christmas, They They did their research this week. They really did. Do you think they just Googled best chess tournament ever? Yeah. UK. Yeah, the others are a game. And, um, um, I don't know. It looks like I, I, I think she beat him. I can't remember. He loves the gift anyway. He must have let her win. Um, she's happy. She gives Asha a drawing of the two of them together, um, which pointedly she gave two days after Christmas because she doesn't do Christmas. <laughs> Asha gets home later and tells Dev how happy she is that Nina is on her way up, and she's going to go to Nina's to watch Spirited Away again. Very good film. Um, Asha gets to the cafe to find Nina's panicking now because she she didn't know where she was because Asha left her phone oh, yeah. somewhere That's on charge that, yeah. and Nina's gone like uh, she, she's a mess now and she's freaking out the ah. end um, can we talk Roy's return first Gemma <laughs> What's the... that, was a, that okay. was a storm in a teacup wasn't it that was a big hoo-ha over nothing that was a bit of a mountain out of a molehill well somebody pointed out on Facebook and again I'm really sorry because I don't remember names very well but that Evelyn's been away for three months uh, no that was me that pointed was it? that out I don't remember people's names that was names. me pointing it out on WhatsApp the other day on WhatsApp I think it was old WhatsApp well there you go see this is even more reason for people not to also be offended owned by when, I, when I can't remember who said what because I don't remember what you said to so, me or where you said it Christmas day there was I think a man was. in the kitchen the other day asking me for a cup of tea but I just ignored him Christmas day I think was the first time that we'd seen Evelyn on Coronation Street since like mid-September where was everybody saying yeah Evelyn's back Right, uh, yeah, get out the bunt and Evelyn's back. Nobody. I do good... really think that... Did people really, really think that Roy had gone? Maybe if you rewind us back four weeks in the podcast, we were probably maybe saying, oh, what if he is gone? What if he's done an Emily Bishop? But I, I, th- I, I think, think... we were going to see him back. And the fact that he's back after a month just makes it seem like... Ugh. Somebody at Coronation Street was listening to our Christmas Tropes episode and they went, oh, we haven't got a returning character this year. What should we do? Let's get rid of somebody for a month so we can bring them back. And say it's a return. This is like this is like a plot, um, a soap plot where somebody loses somebody's pet so they can find it again. That was in Downton Abbey, wasn't it? The, um, the guy who used to play Liam Connor yeah. stole Professor Downton, whatever his name is, Lord... Grantham's yeah. dog Isis, Isis and chucked her in the woods and then he was going to rescue her so he could be the beloved foot putter on her wherever it was and so, so and the then writers her. chucked Roy in the in the and woods of so South America go, look we found him again isn't this a merry Christmas treat mm. also I mean there, there have been other characters that haven't been in it since then like Toya and Imran, they also had not been in Coronation Street since the episode where Roy went off. Yeah, but they didn't go, we're off to Peru, we're we're going, we won't come back. I know, it's just, I'm I'm just thinking, we we didn't really think he was going. And it it was really built up to be a, well, he's going to be, if he, he he may never come back, but but he might be away for a really long time, actually. Yeah, I did think he was going to take a year or so. Yeah, I thought he'd gone off on a sabbatical or something. But no, it was literally a standard length Coronation Street. It was less than a... Well, yeah, well, it was. It was just a little, you know, a little break in the filming. That people... I've said this before about Coronation Street. They need to be careful with with this because they do this quite often where they will give an elaborately ridiculous 
reason why somebody is leaving for a period which is inconsequential compared to other people just not being on the rotor. Yeah. And and um I don't I don't really get why he even came back. He didn't even have a particularly massive revelation. Well, he was just like, Oh yeah, I told Nina I'd look after her, didn't I? Well but I came I back because I, I realised I was being a melodramatic dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Basically, and oh well. Has Sam got over his mum's death yet? Oh what, he's still not speaking? Oh well, never mind. I'm here now. I don't care anymore. He has has he mentioned Sam once since he's been back, since that seemed to be the main driving force of him leaving because he was um So guilt ridden. So guilt ridden about that, the fact that Natasha like got Nat- shot. It seems when like Abby's not, was a gun. Seems like Abby's not bothered, so I'm not bothered either. Yeah. Sam's be- oh I, I don't know, I don't know. I just felt that it was um the the whole thing wasn't managed particularly well and yeah. Were you was, whelmed? Uh, yeah. I, I just like when when Roy turned up, I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." Yeah, Rather exactly. than like, "You're right." It wasn't it's Roy. wasn't super underwhelming. It wasn't overwhelming. It was well, yeah, whelming. It totally was. Um, meanwhile, Sam is still there, not saying anything. No, he's saying over. He said, apart from over down the microphone, uh, the walkie-talkie. Yeah, um, he's going to start his own podcast. Oh, so I'll tell you what, though, they need to watch out with Nina because we've seen it time and time again. They take a Coronation Street character that everyone likes. It's a nice, strong character. Normally a woman. Often, often a woman, and it is. Um, and and then they just dump misery and stuff on her, and then she becomes far, far, far less interesting a character. We're, we're right in the middle of it with Emma at the moment, and I used to love Emma, and I still quite like Emma. But she's not the kind of engaging, sparky, fun character she was when she first came into it, is she? Um, I mean, Abby's going through the ringer as well, but usually she's quite good at bouncing back out the other end. But but Nina at the moment, it's like, oh, okay, I get, I get you'd probably be sad when your boyfriend's been kicked to death, but come on, look at Jenny. It's Corey Curse, isn't it? So Je- Makes... Jenny's up there rutting with a rugby player at the moment, right. Nina. Why don't you kind of... See, this is my question, okay? Because it really is the women they do this to. Right? Is it because bad stuff happens to female characters disproportionately on Coronation Street? Is it because we notice more because we're, as a society, more attuned to kind of the misery of women and to sympathise and empathise with women more because they show their emotions more readily? Is it... What is it? I don't know whether it's a... Is it a bias I don't know whether it's a Coronation Street. Strong, strong Corrie women. Let's show you how strong they are. Oh, not really strong. They're, they're <laughs> going to cry again. Oh, but they'll get through it. That the just thing, seems... I think sometimes they look back on great Corrie characters and they go, well, remember how strong Bet was, right? And do you remember when we found out that she had a son and then he, like, rejected her and how devastated she was? And then he got run over by and then car. And then she kind of, like, built her up into this even more iconic character because she, she was strong... And brassy, and she, you know she had this dark past. Remember that time that is... Hilda cried over Stan's glasses after he died. Everybody loves that scene. So let's make all our other strong women cry. Going back to what I just said about um, Bet, like as far as I remember, Bet probably had like two or three massive tragedies in her life. In a story on Coronation Street, you know, mm. and she was in the show for how many decades? <laughs> Many decades. Emma's been in the show right. for like less than how long is she? Five years? I don't oh, know. Not even that. Everybody's died left, right, and centre. You, you, they've got you've got to pace yourself a little bit here mm. because the reason why that revelation 
made Bet such a such a strong rounded character was because we didn't really have any idea before then that anything was less than rosy apart from she had man trouble. Mm. There was also uh, we also seen it with Yasmin. Obviously, that's the most recent example, hasn't it? Another very strong, um, boisterous charismatic woman who's been beaten down to nothingness from Jeff and she has come out of it kind of the other way but I still don't think she's quite back to her her full pre-Jeff self and Cory just needs to be really really careful because they've got something very very special and precious in Nina haven't they and um and, and a wise woman once said that this is sympathy fatigue and I think I think the viewers are getting maybe a bit fed up of feeling sorry for these characters and that there's only so much sympathy we have to give and then we're just saying, oh, shut up, Nina. Well, this is what's happened to Abby. Mm. Um, But, you know, arguably that's of her own doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think that Sally Carmen is also particularly amazing at twanging on the old heartstrings, actually. I'm not saying the others aren't, but Sally Carmen is very, very, very good at getting to me when she's when she wants to betray Abby's grief, but um, I I don't I don't need to see this, and I think if I was Asher, I'd just be uh like, all right, Nina, come come back and see me when you're feeling better, because now Asher's been lumbered with the responsibility of being the one, the only one in uh, in Nina's life who can make her feel better. Yeah, but this is quite realistic in that Sorry, she's Roy. anxious about where people are all the time, and managing that anxiety by giving her access to Asher's phone location is not going to help because it doesn't deal with the 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 reason why she's anxious she's anxious because she's got PTSD probably she needs to go to therapy It it, it makes complete sense for the story yeah I'm not saying it doesn't. I didn't say you did say no, that. No, no, no. I'm just saying I'm wondering if anyone else is saying that. Yes, of course, if if she's been through this trauma, these many traumas, it's likely to have some kind of effect on your psyche like it is having for Nina, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to see it and seeing some <laughs> of my, one of my favourite Corrie characters suffering through it, unfortunately. But yeah, I suppose the, the, other, the other possibility is, is Nina right? Is something terrible and tragic going to happen to Asher or Roy? Well, it'd be ironic, wouldn't it? Totally ironic. Well, if I was uh, Nina, I wouldn't worry anyway because um, you don't, don't really need a phone tracker and to f- track anyone on the street because nobody ever leaves the confines of the street, do they? No. Nope. They say they go into town or school, but I don't know whether I believe that or not. No, that's why they were so thrilled when they put their Christmas market in. Yeah. So finally, we have to we can don't pretend. have to go to the precinct anymore. We have can to go stop up pretending the that we by going round the corner of. Um, Victoria Street and pretending that there's something there that's not car park. <laughs> right, talking of Abby, let's go on to what she's been up to. And core blimey, she's been up to a lot over Christmas, hasn't she? Making friends, making enemies, making more enemies, shouting at people, being a bitch, and um, making us cry. So Abby on Christmas Eve um, is saying, right, Kevin, uh, this is going to be... She doesn't actually say the the, the, the words of doom, the, the best Christmas ever, but she is, she is for all intents and purposes, got her heart set on making this a bloody brilliant Christmas day for the Webster family. She and I wants... thought she had a very good attitude because she said it's just a fancy Chris, it's just a fancy roast dinner. Yeah. And that's all Christmas dinner is. You don't need to stress yourself out about it. She says she wants tomorrow's Christmas dinner to be like one of those ones on the telly that everybody sees and vomits because they're so happy. Yeah. Nice. I do that all the time. Yeah. So, so later on, Kevin comes back home and Abby's pretty narked because she t- turns out, and, and I quote, the turkey needs 48 years to defrost. Because <laughs> right. she's never cooked a, an actual turkey before. She's just had a Twizzlers, hasn't she? Right, Abby, listen carefully. 
Fill the sink with coming. cold water and put your turkey in there. And she then can't have Kevin's underpants are washing changing in there the, the water regularly until your turkey is defrosted. Well, you're welcome. Kevin says, let's get a turkey crown. And she's like, oh, turkeys don't need hats. I thought that was a bit of a silly line. Um, but then, um, good, she says, oh, good job. It's just us two for, uh, and maybe Jack, I suppose, for Christmas lunch tomorrow because it's going to be a disaster. But then there's a knock on the door. And who is it? It's unexpected children. It's unexpected. It's the siblings. It's Charlie and Lexi. They're back. They're like, you think Roy's going to be the only Christmas return this year? Well, tell you what, we get in there first. How nice. How nice to see the twins again. We did. This was our prediction from last week, wasn't it? That, this, that the twins would make a reappearance again. I couldn't work out whether they were played by the same actors at first, but they were. No, I think they used two different ones. I know they're twins. No, shut up. Um, and then Abby gives them a big old hug and it's very lovely. So um, she's, she... And then she makes them go on a walk. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, way to make sure they're never coming back at Christmas. <laughs> so go on a walk. Um, and, uh, and then, then she, she takes them back to, um, the, the, the foster dad and he's like, oh, bring them back tomorrow if you like. <laughs> I'm a bit sick of them actually. Do you know what? I, there's nothing I want to do less on Christmas day than spend it with these horrible children. So what it, what it transpires happened was, this is, this is the note that Kevin found last week. Seb had found out back in, let's say April at the latest, that the family would be back in, in in England for Christmas. And he was even arranging way back then, before getting beaten to death, that um, they could come and see could Abby after, for Christmas Day. And um, isn't that nice? It's a little Christmas present from Beyond the Grave for Seb. Ah. I'd be side-eyeing any foster parent who adopts children and then says, I'm not really fussed on... Uh, I don't do Christmas. So do you want to take the kids? I know. And like... That's it. We, we see Presumably, it. they've come back because they lived in they live in Australia, don't they? They moved to Australia. Yeah. They they were they did live in England before then. Yes. So presumably, they've returned right for Christmas to their home country to meet with friends and family. Right. So have all the friends and family gone? Can you not bring those two children that you adopted <laughs> because it's. Want it to be family only, you know? Doing a couple of strangers, like drug addicts. Oh, right? I know someone who I can palm these off on too for a day, maybe she, two. She'll be thrilled. She's a drug addict. She's dumb. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they come back on Christmas Day and they um they kick a football around with Jack for a bit and then they have tea without Jack. I don't know, I don't know where he was then. Then they spend the evening playing board games and that's the last we saw of them. So that was that was short but sweet. Um, the story ramps up somewhat on Sunday though because uh, Abby's over at Seb's garden having a look at the Christmas memorial there and she finds some nice new flowers with a note. Oh, what's this, says Abby. She goes marching around number seven. Kelly happens to open the door, of course, just for convenience sake, gets the flowers shoved back at her and Abby's like, right, look at this note. You, this note you written saying, oh, you're so sorry for the part you played in Seb's death, eh? Mm? Well, stuff it. I don't want to need your apology. Take your flowers back. Kelly starts crying, but Abby's like, not interested. I hate you. And then she leaves. And people around the TVs are going, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Don't really like Abby at the moment. Meanwhile, yeah, that's pretty much everybody's reaction. Pretty much everybody on the internet said that. Inside, Ardy and Deb are trying to tell Kelly, she didn't deserve all this. You didn't kick him to death. You were just there. Kelly says, oh, I can't believe I was so stupid leaving this note. Nothing's going to bring Seb back, etc, etc. Later on, Abby sees the Allahans and Kevin heading out, heading out to the bistro. And um, rather than just, you know, turning the other cheek and saying, no, I'm going to ignore that. 
I'm going to be the bigger, better person here. She says, I'm going to march right down the street and make a big show of sitting on a nearby table under them and spending the evening making them feel very uncomfortable by just staring at Kelly all evening. Yep. And um, even when they try to swap seats, Abby's like, nope. And she drags the table across the bistro floor and is there giving her evils for the rest of the evening. And, and poor old Kelly, she can't eat her burger with three onion rings, can she? Because nope. of that. Is a good, waste of money. Good diet plan, that isn't it? Get stared at. You don't like people watching you when you're eating either. So no, I'm sure you could I. And also, don't like there. being the only person eating. No, no. I'd rather not have anything. And Abby's there going, oh, I wonder if, wonder if you're worth me doing another stretch for. So she's clearly um, veiled threats there. I don't Thinly like veiled. it when people watch me eat. I don't like it when I'm the only person eating. And I don't like it when the mother of the person that I watched get kicked to death and didn't phone an ambulance for I hate it when thing. that happens. Like, ugh, you're putting me off my food because it reminds me that the guy is... This bloody bit uh, of meat here reminds, reminds me of Seb's... Skull that was being cracked. Oh, it's too awkward now. <laughs> Abby, um, well, they, they go home. Kelly goes straight upstairs. She should have had a Beyond Burger. Abby goes to... I bet they've got that at the Beast Jam, haven't they? Yum, yum, yum. Um, Abby goes uh, goes home to, um, to Dev. No, he doesn't. She doesn't. That'd be weird. Abby goes home to Kevin and says, no, that's not even true What's either. I'm just trying to remind myself. I just got a notification in the corner of the screen from Rebecca saying, yes, we can talk about her theory that Jenny is maybe pregnant from Leo. Oh no, that's terrible. I don't know. I don't really mind that idea. So I'm just going to interrupt this. Jenny pregnant, Leo Jenny maybe. Jenny with a baby. Well, because this is how old um, Erica was when she got pregnant from Nick well, a few that years ago. Well, and it gives it. her another chance to have a baby and not drown it. And um, <laughs> Daisy loves babies. Oh, that would be sweet. As long as Leo's I not involved in I could have a baby when this. I'm 50. I think I'll be ready then. You reckon you'll be ready in uh, how many years' time is that? Uh, about, Ele- about 23. Years <laughs> so I'd, 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 that, that could be an interesting story. As long as Leo plays no part in it whatsoever, apart from being, you know, the donor. The sperm donor. Um, Jenny with a baby? Maybe. I quite like, yeah, okay. Maybe. All right. You're, you've made me warm to it now. Yeah. Um, right, anyway, back Can to I Abby. Be the Thank godmother? you, Rebecca. That was a good theory. Can I be the godmother? Yes. So that means I'm probably quite likely to have to take the child in. Because mm? the godparents got to take the child in in case something awful happens to the, yeah. the real parents. Nothing and... happened to Jenny. Well, it was, pretty, it was a pretty regular thing that people get bumped <laughs> off on Coronation Street, you know. But, you know, I'd like this to be a silver lining. Mm. Well, if Jenny dies, I'd be devastated, but yeah. I'd get a free baby. You don't want a baby. It's probably be a ginger drama. Don't want them. Michael, it's not funny. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, Kevin has to come to the bistro to drag Abby home. And she don't really care about anything he's saying about maybe you shouldn't have done that, Abby. She says, look, drunk or sober, getting rid of Kelly is all I ever think about. Oh, I got it out of my mind. Monday, Abby is, <laughs> Abby is feeling kind of worse for wear after these Boxing Day shenanigans. She blames just being upset and Kelly being in the wrong place at the wrong time. She wasn't really in the wrong place at the wrong time. I know that just being on the street is the wrong place at the wrong time, but Abby, you could have not followed her to the bistro. Um, Kevin also reveals that um, Kelly's been kicked out of her job at the barber's shop as well. Did I miss that bit? Have I missed a day? I think so, because she follows her to the barber shop and she's blocking her from getting past. I think that's... I might have typed that into another story. 
well she's blocking her from getting past isn't she and um so she's sort of uh, kelly's saying oh, i'll get i've got to go i've got to go to to my job and abby gets really offended and says um oh you you think you're gonna get a job working around here no you're not get lost and kind of um kelly goes off with her tail between her legs and tears in her eyes because she's been bullied and then maria sacks her because she oh no this is what yeah this is what happened no this is how this happened oh yeah see this is where the autocorrects come in again it's not kevin reveals she's not working at the barber shop it's kevin reveals that she's now working at the barber shop that might make more sense that makes more sense then abby goes to the barber shop and as Gemma so skillfully just uh, explained she stops her from going into work imran finds kelly all maudlin in the cafe later um and but they he tries to deflect things by talking about how great christmas with elsie was not that we got to see any of this and he says so what, what was uh, what was going on with abby earlier and then abby walks right in and kelly can't get out the door fast enough imran chases her down in the street and um and and she's saying look has, has abby been threatening you and kelly's like no and then imran has a go at abby they kind of have a bit of a bickering session outside the uh, outside the salon Abby's like, I just don't need Kelly here. She's rubbing my face in it all the time. And Imran says, look, missus, sorry, but you've done some pretty bad things yourself. Just saying, like, you know, having sex with somebody else. And he earns himself a massive slap round the face. No. What? She punches him. Was it a punch? I thought yeah. it was a slap. Whatever. Um, it was an amazing doof. But sorry, too late to be nominated for the... Um, Eki Thump the Award. The Thump Award for the year. Maybe next time. Um, I... I'm just going to say um, that I forgot what I was going to say. Lovely. It's important to note. Kevin comes <laughs> over and sees this because he happens to be there, of course. Imran says to Kevin, well, like, it's, it's my fault. I just asked some pretty insensitive things about Seb. I don't know what, but um, it was definitely my fault. I asked, I, I earned that slap around the face, that punch in the, in, the, in the fizzog. Kevin has a go at him and says, look, um, as Abby, has she been harassing Kelly again? And Imran says, yes, she definitely has. And she'd better well stop this. Otherwise, I'm going to get the cops on her. Grr. So Maria goes round number seven later. She has a bit of a go at Kelly for not coming into work. Kelly had previously told her that she was sick, but she clearly isn't. And Kelly sees Abby walking past. Another lovely coincidental walk past there. And she can't explain herself to Maria. So Maria fires her. Oh, dear. She had such a promising career ahead of her as well. Kelly contacts Jacob. Hooray, he's back again. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's making these sporadic appearances, dishing out drugs in dodgy street corners, but good for him. He's uh, he's still in work around Christmas time, spicing up the lives of the Weatherfield residents. But um, I don't know how he has any customers because he does his darndest to try and stop Kelly buying anything off of him, doesn't he? It's like he has gone to America and seen their advert for pharmaceuticals that get followed by somebody going, may, may, contain, may, may cause anal leakage, loss of memory or possibly death. Yeah. And, and he, has he to feels feel like, like he, has to, he has to warn everybody he's that like, drugs aren't really that great for your body, actually. He had a big meeting with all the, all the other drug dealers. He's like, listen, lads, and also ladies, uh, we got to go legit with this, which means we've got to be seen to be responsible, which means <laughs> we need to warn people that about the problems that they might encounter as a result of our products. But don't worry, won't put people off. We won't lose money. Look at the cigarette companies. Yeah, that's been going for years. You've got people with no faces on there and people still smoke. But vape- vaping is definitely, uh, I think it's overtaken. I don't think you can. It? Can you vape spice? 
Is that something Jacob know. could uh, look into? Maybe, maybe. If, Let's if write I that was down, trying to um, make waves in the druggy world, I'd be looking for my new. I think it's USP. easier just to get a job. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, he's like, don't have any drugs, please, from me, because uh, I don't want to be responsible. But she goes and finds them from somewhere else anyway. Because the next time we see Kelly, she's out of her head on the floor, uh, blurry camera and everything. And then she's, she's probably having quite a great time there as well. And then old Debbie Downer Craigie pulls up in his police car and is like, what's going on here then? Hello, hello, hello. going to take you down the station, missus. But um, not there long. Brings her back home later. Dev... Well, home i.e. number seven remember she's staying at Allahan's Dev has a massive go at her not happy no he's not Ardy tries to get him to back down a bit but Dev is in full on rant mode uh, and then there's a knock at the door and it's Imran and Kevin just blusters out because he's so Kev- so cross with Kelly Kevin. for what? Kevin Dev 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 Devin. Dev Dev goes he goes out he's, he's mad he at Kelly he leaves his own house yeah he's oh. like I can't be doing with this Imran you, you have a word with her and Imran's like oh yeah it's not your fault uh, Abby's driven you to this and Kelly says no no I deserve it Iman says no you don't you're lovely and then um, and also we find out that Craig has referred her to a drug support service and she is definitely definitely going it's tomorrow by the way Imran says look there's loads of people who care for you people want the best for you there's me there's Toya there's little Elsie loads of people around here and everything there's like three of us and then Dev comes in and he starts apologising for ranting at her. And I was watching it going, oh, Dev, come on, you were, you were in the right. She needs a few home truths, actually. But then he kind of turns it back again and says, I know you've not had it easy, but um, my family's had a tough time these last few years. You know, remember that time that um, that video of my daughter taking her clothes off, went around the internet? That was your fault, actually, wasn't it, Kelly? So, um... Yeah, yeah, basically, bog off. My mind's made up, um, and it, Kelly's begging, and Imran says, "Look, please, Dev, change your mind." But he's like, "No, in the no. morning you have to leave." Yeah, fantastic. Tuesday, so we're up to yesterday now. Shouldn't have been there in the first place. Abby sees Kelly stomping out at number seven in the morning. Girl, she 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 uh, always seeing her. She didn't. She didn't need. She, I think she's maybe got a Kelly tracker on her phone, like like Nina has with Asha. It's I think there can be no other reason why she always happens to be bumping into her. People leaving their homes too frequently on this show. Mm. How many people at Christmas? Hold your hands up, truthfully. Left the house more than like two times, <laughs> just to fit the bins out. It's, it's that because Abby works outside, isn't it? She's got a prime vantage point for any enemies that happen to be walking down the street. Okay, I'll, I'll change it then. What teenage girl with nowhere to go is getting up early en- enough in the morning to bump into a mechanic? <laughs> um, right, so we have Imran overhearing Maria and Gary talking about Kelly getting sacked later. And he's like, hang on a minute, Kelly's got sacked. That explains why she got arrested for doing drugs yesterday then. Um, yeah, you made her go on drugs. We also learn that he's trying to get a social services to fast track some kind of assessment thingy so that Kelly can go and live with her and Elsie. Um, him and Elsie him, and Toya. Him, her being Toya and Elsie and him. And uh, because, oh, I'm worried that she's going to end up in the streets in the meantime. And then the little cogs start ticking in Gary's head. Um, we have Abby and Ardy having a bit of a spat in the shop about Kelly Nothing much going on there. No, that was great because he says, you know, she's got herself on drugs now because of you. And she's like, I don't care. It's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then Kelly tells Toya that she's no way going to go to this drug support group thingy. And Toya basically strong arms her into going to this meeting. Um, and we have Gary hounding Imran about the social services. You heard yet? Can Kelly move in with you yet? And it's like, no, literally, it was only about two scenes ago. I told you we were trying to fast track it. They're not that fast. 
And um, if you need any, if you want to help Gary Mucker, you can get your wife Maria to get Kelly her job back at Trim Up North. Um, so Kelly and Toya arrive at the support group and what do you know? Who should be there? Is it is it Peter Barlow? No, no, no. Is it Blanche offering some um, witty put downs of all the all the addicts there? No. no. It's Abby. Abby making a cup of tea. And I think... And she puts it down and doesn't even drink it because she's so disgusted. She didn't even know that Kelly was going to be there, did no, she's she? No, this is not her fault. It's not her fault. It's just a massive, massive coincidence. This is probably proves her point somewhat, I have to say, that she should not be anywhere near Abby because Abby might well have instigated a lot of this by following her around. But if you can just bump into each other at the local addict support group, I think that it means that you might be a bit too close. <laughs> Tell you what, though, it led to some very good scenes. I enjoyed this. This is very good, weren't Very, they? very good stuff. Abby, Abby, again, kind of makes a big show of herself by dragging the yeah. chair up opposite Toya and Kelly and just staring, staring like, what do you think but, you're doing here? But then it's Kelly's turn to talk. It's only Kelly and Abby that actually say anything during the whole. Everybody meeting. else, everyone really else bored. is there saying, oh, "I'm an addict too. Can I can I tell you my story?" No, you're not I main sold character. my baby on Christmas Day for smack. Shut can up, I not, say something? No, no, you cannot. All right, okay, I'll come back next week. Kelly and Abby, they've got the floor. So Kelly says, um, "I ain't got a drugs problem." Yeah, she she starts to talk a little bit, but doesn't doesn't make out that it's a big deal. So then Toya steps in and tells the group the full story. And Kelly's not an addict yet, but she's on that trajectory. And then Kelly kind of pipes up again and talks about how. Drugs help her to stop thinking about how rotten her life is, about a rubbish mum and a deadbeat dad and everything. And uh, yeah, woe is me kind of stuff. And she has had a bad time. And Abby's kind of looking at her, looking a little bit like, oh, I, I think I can see a bit of myself in Kelly here. This is a bit awkward. She's starting to empathise. Then it's Abby's turn to talk herself. And she says, oh, it's so hard staying on the wagon at the moment. What with Miss Sun being brutally kicked to death and everything. Then she starts tearing up about all the, the anguish and grief and drama that she's been put through over the year. And Gear's the only thing that comes close to numbing it. And then she gets she gets a good old monologue out of it, doesn't she, does Abby? This was very really well delivered. Masterfully written and performed. Jolly good Both job. Both Kelly and Abby's parts here were fantastic and really evocative and... The, you know, I don't know anything about what they what the experience of this in real life is, but I felt a bit more like I understood it after hearing them both yeah, explain. Definitely. Like, with all the problems that they've gone through that they just want to kind of quell the the, the sounds in their heads and this is what happened, you know. It was a very, and, very, very good character moment and they just let it run. It wasn't one of these extra long, 10 minute long scenes or anything like that. It was just long enough. It didn't even feel like, hang on a minute, this is getting a bit too long here. I didn't, it was just about right. I also, It also was a great way to have an issues-based storyline that didn't feel preachy or teachable because mm. it, but it came from very honest character situations and I did wonder at one point, like, why is Kelly on drugs? Why is Kelly taking drugs? Um, and uh, now I understand that the, the story reason is that Abby can see that if she carries on w- treating Kelly the way that she has been, yeah. that she will be responsible for another person having g- going through what she went through Seven when she was on rockets to her kids when she was on drugs and wondering what other, who whose lives is she going to ruin. Mm. Next, you know, is she will she will she kind of feel responsible for Kelly ruining her own life, and there and also, 
you know, will Kelly end up with children of her own who then she neglects and the cycle continues, you know, forever. It's it's down to Abby at the end of the day to realise, does she deserve it or not? Because I think if you were to have asked her a couple of weeks ago, you know what, I've seen into my crystal ball and this is what, what... trajectory Kelly's life on Abby would be more more than likely to go hash well when she it. was in the shop and Ardy was telling her that she was on drugs she got I can kind of yeah well she deserves she deserves it because Abby's very self-loathing as well and um she kind of felt like she deserved all the bad things that happened to her but her main regrets are that she ruined her children's lives so will she think to herself well you know Kelly's a free agent so and also, how much agency does Abby think she had in her own addiction? That's what I want to know. Where did that start? We still don't know the story of why Why did Abby end up on drugs? I can't remember whether we know or not. Well, I don't remember what it is. But mm. does, does Abby feel like she had control over that? Because that might affect how sympathetic she is to Kelly. Yeah. Because nobody made either of them take drugs. But they were there when they needed something to numb the pain yeah yeah so it did make an impression on on abby kelly's speech and i was hoping that at the end of the episode we'd have like a little quiet moment with abby but um sadly that that last scene no, was the last that like we saw of her we were, i i was expecting something to happen between the pair of them too but perhaps there's still time they could still it have a new happen. year's truce it will happen i think i think i think abby i think abby is an intelligent and self-aware enough person to come to her senses at some point and realise that she's just uh, perpetuating this cycle of addiction and abuse Mm. if she continues to push Abby uh, Kelly into um, taking drugs. I would hope so, because she is the the, the more mature, grown woman here, and Kelly's only 16, and it really should be Abby who's, you know, doing the right thing, I think, and saying, okay, I think that's enough now. Okay, Abby, Abby is... A, a grown woman, but she's also got her own history of abuse and substance oh, abuse yeah, yeah, and yeah, I know. addiction. And I'm not saying that everybody's a helpless infant and should be coddled, but there are certain, you know, she, she's still, and she's still grieving, you know? Mm. I'm a massive Abby fan and I know that people really don't like her. Are we, we got to the end now. No, we haven't got to the end. Can I just quickly say yes, what happens course. to Kelly? So K- Kelly, Kelly clears out her stuff out of number seven and then Gary's like, um, I can't believe you're kicking Kelly out on the streets. I'm going to do something about this. And he rings up some mysterious person on the phone. And I thought, ooh, who could that be? Is it Laura? Really? I Is it Sharon? Oh, phoning Maria. No, he's just phoning up Maria. Saying, Maria, can, can Kelly doss down in our house at the moment, please? And Maria's like, what the hell? You killed her dad. You've got him buried somewhere. I don't even want to know where. Uh, but if it's under the floorboards in our house, um, I think she may well find him. But yeah, go on. She can come and live here then. But um, on your head be it if she discovers that you are behind the horrific murder of her father. Dun, dun, uh, dun, dun, dun. So, sorry, just, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that bit later then. So, what were you, sorry, what were you saying? I don't remember. Um, oh, people don't like Abby. Yes. And everyone's just massively turned against her over the past few days. I don't know days. if it's that, or if it's... Um, a lot of people didn't like her at all, ever, um, and now feel emboldened because she's um, not proving her she's not covering herself in glory is she so 
Um, I think sometimes when you don't like a character and everyone else loves them, you, you don't say anything. But then when the, the tide starts to turn and, you know, the shine comes off them a little bit, you feel like you can finally say, actually, the whole time I've not liked this person because of X, Y and Z. So this I think a, a lot of... Tim's had this, hasn't he? Because he certainly lost his shine. Well, he's gained more of a shine as he's come bolder over the years. But, um, How rude. Uh, uh, earlier on, when you didn't like Still Tim, a handsome man. He was quite a, a popular character, but I think he's kind of gone down in quite a few viewers' estimations. Not plummeted the same yeah, way that Abby not, has. That's not at all applicable to this. Be- the only way it would be... To- <laughs> yeah, I've said all along. I told I said, you Tim was an ass. I said since he started meddling in her political career that I didn't so like Tim. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think there's, it's a mixture of some people have never liked Abby and some people finally starting to think, actually, she's not acting very, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Very good here. Very grown up about it. Um, I think even even if people don't like Abby, I have seen lots of people still saying that Sally Carmen is still knocking it out of the park every time with her performances. I don't think there's much denying of that. And I've said it many times before, i say it many times again, but... Um, you, you you make excuses for your favourites and you condemn even the most benign yeah. actions of people that you don't like. So, um, but, you know, Abby's not giving people very many opportunities at the moment to, to admire her behaviour. But I've, all, I've also said this in the past too, there are, I think that, you know, there can be people that are very forgiving and lovely and people that are very vengeful. And I don't necessarily... I, I, are we talking viewers or characters here? Both, any people, human beings. I think, I genuinely believe that society functions when both of us work in balance, right? You can't just be forgiving everybody all the time for everything and being nice to people who are going to take advantage of you. But we also can't be, you know, punishing people and stoning them to death for stealing loads of bread. Mm. And I think that it's very rare that you find somebody who has a mixture of both in them. I think... I'm a very vengeful person. I can I sympathise with Abby because I can see yeah, myself doing this. I can totally this. see you and Abby. I Maybe would, that's why I love Abby so much as well. I don't think I would... I would... I have, I have great passion, but it's not very long-lived, is it? Gemma, you've, got, really you've got your list of enemies, haven't you? And I bet that Abby's got a list as well, but it wouldn't be half as long as yours. <laughs> you, I but can totally you know see... I, I'm very passionate, but it doesn't. it's not prolonged. Like, I wouldn't be able to do this for a week, but I can see myself, like, wanting to mess with her a little bit. <laughs> because she killed my son! She was, didn't kill your son, though, did she? I don't see why. The, the thing is, according to the law, there was not enough evidence to prove that she had... What's that thing that says yeah, you're an accessory? Joint okay, yeah. Joint adventure or whatever. Yeah. But she certainly did. By the law, it would have been possible to have said that that is what she did. Hmm. We saw it happen, okay? There wasn't enough evidence to prove it in court, but we saw the actions that led to Seb's death. And I've read of cases that are very similar in which a person who had even less to do with the eventual death or murder of a person be tried and found guilty of murder as, as an accessory. So, just because there wasn't evidence in the court, in the fictional court, on this fictional TV show, I still think that you can argue that she was guilty of that crime. And I don't know whether... And I I, I I am fed up talking about it. I don't know if people are fed up hearing me. I just don't know whether Corrie is ever going to be able to convince some people 
that Kelly isn't responsible because you got one half of the, the, the Corrie fan base is saying she has paid for her crime. She went to prison for a bit. She was, you know, she's she's been let out, but she she ha- she has had time behind bars for what she did. And, and other people are saying, no, she deserves more. And I don't know how on earth they're going to ever, you know, get those people over onto it. Right, this is my this is my opinion on this. It's not down to anybody to for uh, to forgive Kelly except Abby. We had a discussion about this in the car, and you you were talking about the fact. Well, we were both discussing the fact. I was trying to be devil's advocate. No, 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 no. Listen to what I'm saying. We were both discussing the fact that some people blame Abby for the murder of Natasha because she brought the gun onto the street, and. One, uh, one prong of that argument is that it's hypocritical, therefore, for Abby to be cross at Kelly because she is also responsible for the death of someone else. And the second prong of that is forgot what it is. <laughs> Something to do with... Great argument. Forgiving people. Yeah. Right? My argument is it doesn't... I don't care whether you're hypocritical or not. It just, it's got nothing to do with... Um, whether you've also done something naughty, whether you can be mad at somebody for doing something naughty to you, it does, the logic doesn't follow. That's not how human beings work. No, I, I don't think Abby's going to sit there and go, you know, yeah, even Stevens, fair, fair yeah. is square. Secondly, I can't see how you can argue that that Abby is re- as responsible for Natasha's death as Kelly. Kelly is for Seb's death because it was Harvey that killed Natasha and the gun was there he could have used anything abby just threw that gun into the water she threw it away like that's that's the other point it's not like she left it in in you know in a box that said coincidentally washed up right next to a murderer yeah it's not like she put it in a box that said smashing case of murderous rampage (laughs) is it she she tried to big flashing neon sign saying harvey this way i'm not trying to excuse the entire thing but it does feel a bit strange to hear people trying, like, to claim that this somehow means that she's not allowed to be crossed at, at Kelly because the other thing is that um, um, Sam specifically said he didn't blame anybody except Harvey. Yeah. Now, he doesn't know that Abby was involved in any way, but I cannot see him blaming her for the, for Natasha's death because it really was Harvey that did it. Yeah, and it wasn't even like he was I, trying I to kill her. I just think I just think this is a, a weird. I don't understand why people are so focused on this as a reason why Abby is not allowed to be upset. I I don't think it's that people that she's not allowed to be upset, but it's still saying, "Well, you're you're just as bad." I don't get what's that got to do that with that, yeah, your emotions. No. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah, I mean, it's only all it is is a reason why you don't like Abby, and that's fair enough. Yeah, but I, I don't. I didn't really want to talk about this again because it's. I I, I know I it's winding people up that are hearing me saying this about Abby. I just really empathise with her, um, and I I think that Kelly shouldn't be anywhere near her. Kelly but is making it worse for you herself. You might also be surprised to under to hear that I feel sorry for Kelly too. She just needs to deal with her problems away from I just don't, Abby. I think that they're all acting completely naturally, and as as I would expect people to act given the horrible situation that they're both in. Hmm. And I feel really bad for Kelly that she's made such an awful mistake at the very beginning of her life and potentially on on a track to ruin her life because of that. But I also don't think it's really Abby's fault for getting upset with her. And we've seen that Abby's compulsive and 
reckless. It, it was very much in her character. As, as much as I love the character of Abby, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised when she went marching into the bistro or, or whatever. I was still just there going, no, don't do this to Abby, don't do this to Abby, because it was certainly... Um, stretching the limits of my love for the character but I was I was just very glad in yesterday's episode when they had her open up and think oh thank goodness there's something um, human something human about her, her in there and, and I hope that that's that the people who are who Abby has fallen out of favor with I hope that that scene in the I, in the drugs place yesterday got got your back on her side um the other thing I think is that I I feel as though the pair of them are in a really toxic relationship of like depending on one another to prolong like i feel like abby's displacing all of her emotions about seb's death onto kelly and perhaps punishing her well more than she deserves considering that Corey's not around for her to take her frustrations out on and while she is pursuing and antagonizing kelly i think the grief of, of losing Seb is being somewhat dampened because she's not thinking about that. She's thinking, she's kind of displacing her her emotions onto Kelly instead of onto Seb, right? Yeah. So she's taking out her grief on Kelly. Yeah. So she doesn't have to think about how sad she is. She can think about how mad she is, mm. right? And then you've got Kelly who, and I've said this before on the show, that some people who feel like they've committed a crime and they haven't been punished to the full extent or they don't feel like they've paid for it properly sometimes we'll seek out punishment in other forms to try to assuage their guilt that's what i think kelly's doing i and think she's she going likes to see jacob we've had a discussion about this on facebook and i agree with some people who have said this i think she is kind of likes this i think she wants to be punished and i think she wants Ke- she wants abby to be the one that does it why else would she have put those flowers down with her name on it knowing full well that abby was going to find them did she really think that putting a bunch of flowers down going sorry you're dead to, to somebody at christmas was going to make abby suddenly go oh sure okay she is sad 5.99 from tesco well that proves it <laughs> She, it's like she left a note going, don't forget about me. I live around the corner and I killed your son. I don't know whether that can just be put down to a bit of youthful naivety. No, she said think... it. She said she said it herself. She she did. She under, she recognises this. It's self-destructive oh. behaviour. Both of them. Both of them. Because Abby knows that she's doing wrong when she's following Kelly around. She knows it. Yeah. She knows that it's wrong, but she's doing it anyway. Yeah. And the same with same with Kelly. They're both They're both in this weird, toxic punishment spiral where they're ruining each other's lives because of this terrible thing that they've both gone through because if they're if they're in sort of embroiled in this weird art uh, you know fight then they're not thinking about what's actually happened mm. and they're not dealing with it either yeah i'm wondering like uh, as well is is kelly gonna go get go and work for jacob or something now I hope not, because I'm fed up with drugs storylines. We've had so many years of them now. I, I am as well, but they've brought Jacob back for a reason, haven't they? And, I mean, he, he made an odd appearance about a month ago, and then he dropped in a couple of days ago, or yesterday, whenever it was. And it's like, are you, are you, is Corey committed to this character being back or not? And, and if he is back, then what what's he going to be doing? So I... So it's possible, I think, maybe, that that Kelly could go and work for him. I, I, I don't even know who he's working for at the moment, because he was working under Harvey, wasn't he? Is he the new drugs lord of Weatherfield, maybe? Could he could he give her a bit of a, a job to do, maybe? 
Maybe that can be his thing. He's like Jacob, the truth-telling drug dealer. Maybe. I don't know. I just I, I hope that we we see more because because Jacob's great, but he needs more than just to be lurking in alleys. Unless you know, maybe you can work in lurk in alleys, being Kelly's boss. I don't know. I just think um, this storyline. I think one one good thing Corey seems to be able to do with this storyline is to get people to like discuss or argue <laughs> whatever <laughs> you want to think um, and divide opinions about these two characters um, because I don't think despite how much people might disagree with me or me with them I don't think that there's a clear cut solution as to who is in necessarily in the wrong here mm. right and I know that Kelly's a victim and very sweet and, and pretty and everything but you know many people still haven't forgiven her for what she did we've, um, we've seen because of Sally Carmen's great no matter, performances the, the grief that Abby's been through yeah. this year and no matter how much you like Abby like we both do you can't really excuse her stalking a teenage girl and like staring at her <laughs> and while she's trying to eat a burger yeah. so I did an opinion poll on the unboxing day after the episode had finished on Twitter on Twitter to see what people thought and um, I, we had Team Kelly and Team Abby and I didn't let people sit on the fence I said you have to pick one or the other um, and 62.5% picked Kelly and 37.5% picked Abby so not nowhere near 50-50 62% of people didn't, didn't understand the question obviously <laughs> no, only, I just only think, joking I just think only that joking. You, you could ask that question every day and you'd get vastly different I, percentages I honestly wanted the, to do it every the day the pendulum is swinging it's the same, it's a similar sort of thing to Tyrone and Fizz. Yeah. Where, it, and I've said this before as well, I think a lot of what you, your opinion on something is more about you than it is about the situation. And I think it's, I think that's obvious, but I think people don't often think about it enough because I feel like I would act like Abby. So I sympathise with her because I can see it's not a good idea. <laughs> Mm. and I also like drama so I think it's funny because <laughs> it's not real the, they're some, not real people something that could have made the pendulum swimming in Abby's favour was the twins coming back on uh, on, uh, on Christmas Eve but I think that was a massive massive that dud. was weird that could have been lovely it could have been so so good and one of the things that I didn't like about the Christmas Day episode is how that particular story was completely sidelined and all we got of it was a little bit of them playing football at the beginning of the episode and then playing board games at the end of the episode now I don't know with the musical montage it was literally nothing and I was so hoping that we could have got a scene of Abby speaking to the kids they, the actors, the little kid actors I don't know what, whether they're any good or not right. they didn't even need to say anything right. Abby could have been opening up to them and talking and saying yeah. oh I'm so sorry and all this has happened or, they, or, or talking about Seb or anything but there was absolutely zero they didn't even need to come back for Christmas Day they might have well just done Boxing Day I thought it was massively missed out okay. I agree with you I don't know what the acting capabilities of the, of the children are so I wouldn't risk having a scene where they ask what happened to Seb or anything like that. And I know that Coronation Street made a conscious decision to make Christmas Day as nice and happy as they could have done. And they didn't want anything particularly... They didn't want any drama, did they? They didn't want any sadness, really. No. But I really think that Boxing Day could have done with a scene, maybe at the beginning, with Abby and the kids at Seb's memorial garden just crying. Yeah. Because then we would have... I wonder what the percentage would have been if we had had that when we would be reminded that Seb was murdered and it's not just Abby being an annoying bitch 
she's she's hurt her son has only just been murdered and it's not that long ago and it's christmas and christmas is a time for family and she knows that her family one of members of her family's gone and the two little innocent children also have lost a father figure because seb raised them when they were children Hmm. and i wonder whether they would be allowed to feel vengeful you know, are people going to get mad at them if they said that, you know, they think Kelly deserved to be punished more? Mm. You know, because children can be vengeful little gits as well. <laughs> you know, people think that children are so innocent and sweet, but I can imagine them being absolutely furious with, with Kelly and thinking that she should be punished. I don't know how much they know about it. Would that have changed people's opinions about whether Abby's justified in what she has done. Yeah. I think a lot of people think would would go as far as to say that she's justified in her emotion. And I think that that's a nice way that we can all perhaps agree that we're on common ground here about, you know, what she entitled to be feeling about the death of her son. But what, where people drawing the line is how does she act upon that and that. Mm. But, you know, it makes good telly, doesn't it? Because if yeah, Kelly yeah. came back and she was like, you know what? I'm okay with it. Maybe we'll wait. You have a son, I'll kill him and then we'll see how we feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave I'll just, you alone no, I'll just for now. stand and watch while somebody else kills him. <laughs> and then I won't call the police. Or maybe I will so I can have one up over you. you can tell me what you think. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was really disappointed with it. I thought the moment when the kids came in and Abby gave them a massive bear hug, I thought that was lovely it it said more than words could have yeah but i needed the words i I really wanted a discussion some sort of scene where barry was speaking to them the next day and we didn't get it and then i was just left with lingering questions like how was feb able to organize this from from april i didn't think they were allowed to have any contact with them no more questions and so uh, and so on and so on why, why would they be organizing coming back at christmas in the middle of a pandemic when nobody knows what the travel situation is no going more to questions. be like it didn't work unfortunately wouldn't it have been wouldn't it have made people rip their heart out and cry tears of blood if on boxing day the first scene is Lexi and whatever Charla. Charlie leaving and them saying bye mummy we miss Seb too yeah and then we could and then we could have Abby staring at Kelly while she's trying to eat onion rings <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing before we move on because let's, let's just face it we didn't see that happen but you know at some point this would have been brought up and, and Abby would have had to have had a conversation with her children at yeah. Christmas about why their why, why their, their brother, brother is there. dead why is he dead, Mummy? Where is he? I wonder. I miss him. I wonder at what about... point the um, the twins would have been told, like literally, because if they Maybe were supposed they to have, they they, well, they might have been because they had no contact with Seb or Abby. They were only allowed like one letter a year or something. Seb already had his letter for the year. Um, were, were the twins even informed, of course or, they or was it the Kev- was it Kevin? But I don't, I don't well, know. I thought were supposed to cut, cut all ties. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. So the the other thing that's still lingering, of course, is this Abby and Imran. Um, uh, oh, I'll tell you what, what fling. a spanner in the works that is. I know it really, really is. Like just when we're about to be getting a bit of sympathy for Abby again, yeah, that's clearly about to raise its head. It already did when Imran mentioned it the other day. I kind of hope that they may be forgotten about it, but clearly, clearly not. Um, no idea what the state of relationship is between Imran and Toya at the moment because they have they actually had a scene together this week. I don't know. Whether I don't they know, did. but she, you know, she's made it clear that once 
once Elsie goes, he's off too. Oh yeah, but but actually what we do know is that Imran's trying to get this social services order so that Kelly can live with Elsie and him and Toya together. So there's clearly something that they're clinging on to. And this, many months have passed now, so maybe Toya's cooled down a bit over it. And maybe willing to have him back in her life again. To discover. Just in time to, for this whole bloody bombshell to blow up. And um, Such a weird pairing, isn't it? What? Imran? Abby and Imran? I don't know. Really? Well... What, you think you go for him? What? No. <laughs> you're like, uh, what do you Obviously. Mean? I like a skank me. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> okay, right. Nine down. Right, I just want to... Right, oh, okay, listen. No? Yes. Um, Abby fans and Kelly fans and Abby haters and Kelly haters, I hope that the discussion was... felt like I represented what you were trying... What you think... But if I didn't, please write in and say what you think. Yes. If there's something, if there's a view that you haven't felt was represented properly, because it's very interesting. And Everyone's it, it's got a, different. Yeah, and it, yeah, it certainly brought a lot of um, lot of debate and discussion and tension <laughs> to Coronation Street social media this past week. I don't it? find it te- tense. It just kind of. Um, I don't think a lot. I just. I don't know. It's it's interesting to to consider. Why you think, and also the other thing I think is that because I'm slightly near, well, I'm nearer in age quite a lot to Abby. She's basically know, very our similar age. age to me, so I probably and we're all primed to kind of seek out in this situation somebody who is most like us. So yeah. I don't feel like I have anything in common with a 16 year old girl. <laughs> well, I feel you know, I've both got ovaries, but other than that, um, but Abby, I feel like yeah, mm. I'm also mother of three. <laughs> can can really you know bloody making those those fish finger sandwiches takes, yeah. it, takes its toll doesn't it no wonder yeah. she is on drugs right come on move on is move it on. My go it's your go as much as you talked about that story it was me that synopsized it oh I'm but, sorry no no it was good you you, you did a good I'm, job there. all I'm doing I think I over I think it. I talk about things too much when I when I'm trying when I feel very strongly one way or the other about something no such and thing I overcompensate by over explaining both sides <laughs> of the argument. Um, on Friday, this is the... N- Number nine story, I thought this was the it? Nina story, but no, it's not. No, the nine, not the Nina. Uh, this is the Tyrone and Fitz story. Um, again, there are two sides to this, just like with the Abby and and Kelly. Yeah. There's the right side. Team Fitz, team Ty. And the wrong side. <laughs> both have been a bit horrible this week, but both of them I felt really sorry for at various points in the oh, week. Before we get into this, we just I think we should just quickly summarise the canon that has been established so far. <laughs> the ownership of the number ownership nine. of number nine. Now, um Adrian on our Facebook group was talking about this a little bit and he has looked into what who owns what and he thought that when and I I thought this too I think everybody did because maybe it was in the show Jack and Vera gave number nine to Tyrone well Jack did because he, he well, lasted Vera's a few dead. more years than Vera um, so they gave it to him now everywhere you look or everywhere Adrian's looked to google this to find out what the fact in the show was it says they sold it to him he sorry Jack sold it to Tyrone so um previously we had thought that he owned it by himself, so his name's on the deeds, which is what he said earlier. And Ty, um, Fizz and Tyrone lived there together. Now, because it was sold to him, it means that they were both paying a mortgage or she was contributing to a mortgage. 
And if she has contributed to the mortgage, she has more rights than if she had just been living there with him. Because in this country, if you are not married, you actually have a lot less, fewer rights than people believe that you do. You almost have no rights whatsoever over, mm. over property that isn't in your name. Yeah. Right? So the fact of the matter is, if Fizz and Tyrone are not married, but she has proof that she has contributed to the upkeep um, or bills or mortgage on the property, she has a claim, a financial claim. If she hadn't, then she wouldn't have any claim at all. Well, she she claims in yesterday's episode that she's put more than 15 grand in because that's what he ends up offering, isn't it? And she says all the blood, sweat and tears I put into here and the money. I just Well, I blood, just sweat don't and tears know. don't mean anything. No, no, they don't. But um, I do remember back let's say six, seven years ago, there was a story where they had the loft conversion. Because do you remember Tyrone fell through the floor in the in True. the loft? So they have had some works done. And if Fizz has put money into that, that would... may be part of the house is her. But it is mostly Tyrone. And the other Tyrone. thing is, somebody else said that, no, that's not necessarily true. Somebody else said um, on the Facebook group that there was that time that they were hoarding all that crap in their garden because they had bill troubles with their bills yeah if they weren't paying a mortgage i can't imagine they would be in such dire straits as that mortgage is the most significant outgoing or rent the most significant outgoing of any household Mm. how could you you surely couldn't be in that much of a a bad situation if you don't have a mortgage it'd be nice what are you spending your money on (laughs) beer in it it's pints and they're overs it'd be nice if cory clarified it but i've got a feeling that they're not going to now they've kind of waved it away by fist saying no i've contributed to that yeah but unfortunately as somebody strongly on team fizz with some with still sympathies for team tyrone um there are lots of people online at the moment who are saying oh she's got no rights sling her out to tyrone she's she's got yeah she doesn't own any of this house or fizz what harridan she just wants to get a clause into into phil and take all tyrone's money and it's not looking good for her i don't have a lot of patience for people who don't understand why women often will be given money in divorces when they didn't necessarily put the same amount of money in in the first place if i'm if you're if you're at home looking i know she and she works as well she's done the child rearing and the the housekeeping and the cooking i don't know how much tyrone does but she she sacrificed a lot of her time so that Tyrone can put money in, and time into his business. Mm. She, by by doing that, women enable men some of sometimes to build a career that they would not have been able to have done otherwise. And that's why women sometimes get a bigger a chunk of money out of a divorce than they would do otherwise. And I think sometimes people are carrying baggage from their own experiences of having to give money to their ex-wives <laughs> or something onto this show or feeling threatened that as a man, they feel as though a woman's going to take their stuff off them for some reason and they can't fathom why it might be. I don't know. I, I, I'm... But I'm telling you, for example, I think that you would not be able to spend as much time working or enjoying your spare time if I didn't do all the cooking and the planning and, and you know do you oh, feel no. that i support you in yes. in your work do can you see now what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah i totally see i totally see i i'm just and I, like, i'm just being general i'm generalizing about gender roles here but there's generalizations for a reason yeah i i, I i'm 
I'm happy enough to just go, okay, whatever, so Fizz owns some of the house. Now. I just think I a lot of people are hard. getting mad at Fizz and I think some of it is driven by sexism. I think, I think and I'm not going to say all of it is, but I do think there's a bit of misogyny here in, in people thinking that Fizz should not be entitled to a penny. I think if, people don't like Fizz and they're jumping on this as a reason, uh, yeah. as, as ammunition. And also, I think some people are sexist. I know you don't want to say that, but I will. Um, anyway... So that's the that's the situation. We don't really know. That's the preamble. We don't really know, do we? No. But we're assuming that when Fizz says she's put money in, she actually has. We just have to take that as okay. She she has. But I will go. I will say on the record: if you're not married and you have not got any proof and you haven't put money in, unfortunately, whether you agree with the law or not, the fact of the matter is you're entitled to absolutely nothing, no matter how many meals you've cooked this bloke of yours and how many times you clean the skirting boards the law doesn't recognize your input which bit crap isn't it but Fizz doesn't need to worry about that because she's got receipts we assume <laughs> i hope she does so on friday Fizz goes uh Taran goes around to number nine Fizz is busy packing up because she's got a six hour journey ahead of her because they're going to take the girls her and phil can take the girls to somewhere or other scotland scotland for Christmas and Tyrone's like don't worry about me I'm gonna watch telly tomorrow have a great day um maybe I'll see Kev it'll be fine Fizz sees Kevin in the shop and says Tyrone's not coming over he said he's gonna be too sad having Christmas without the girls oh Oh, um consequences Uh. on Saturday um Evelyn (laughs) Evelyn's also on the I don't do Christmas train along with Nina um, there should be an alternative you know how like Channel 4 has an alternative Christmas speech yeah they should have an alternative Christmas dinner which in Evelyn's opinion should be fish cakes mm. which she's bought for her and Tyrone for lunch and then Fizz and the girls rock up because they've decided not to go to Scotland after all and they're just going to gate crash the party which doesn't exist Phil's brought them walkie talkies and he's also bought a turkey because he's such a nutcracking good lad isn't he <laughs> tell you who could use this Abby She's still defrosting hers as we speak. <laughs> Tyrone takes the opportunity to get a dig in at Phil by saying that um, Fizz gets itchy skin from the cheap jewellery that she's been bought as a present. And Evelyn's like, um, just to remind you that they could be in Scotland right now and who wouldn't want to be there Be Christmas. nice, Tyrone. Let's be nice. Tyrone finds hoop... Hoop and... Ro- <laughs> That's a new one. Hoop and Roby. In the ginnel with a pigeon with a broken wing. <laughs> sad who they christened Vera takes it inside and Phil's freaked out he doesn't like doesn't like birds that was weird just like your mum it is yeah it is like my mum she's not I like thought, birds I thought that was very odd and I, I know we don't know a whole lot about Phil but to see him recoil and decide I'm going to go and see my mum now because you brought a pigeon in in a basket I thought that was a bit of a yeah, a bit of a lame way how of getting you... him out of the way so that Phil could make the moves on I don't understand could make the moves on Phil I don't know how you can say that, considering that you know that someone very close to you would have done exactly the same thing. She wouldn't have left the house and gone off up the road somewhere. She wouldn't have left the house. She would have shouted at whoever brought the bird in, because it was her house. But if she'd been in someone else's house, Mm. where she didn't have all the power, she (laughs) might have been forced to leave. He doesn't doesn't, um, come across as a a bird hater, Phil. What makes your mum a bird hater, then? I don't know. Um, So, he goes off to see his mum, Mimi. So later on, they've all eaten. Tyrone thanks Fizz for coming and goes in to give her a kiss and Fizz tells him off. He's misreading the situation and Phil comes back to make it awkward. She doesn't, like, proper tell him off. She's like, oh, behave yourself. Stop doing that. Behave yourself, Elizabeth. Catch yourself on. <laughs> 
Bill and Tyrone start washing up while Fizz and the girls go out for a walk. Again, another Christmas ruined by a walk. <laughs> Tyrone tells him um, about the fact that he nearly kissed Fizz and Phil like gets really mad, slaps him with a washing up glove and challenges him to a fight. So they go outside and um, they're hitting each other with, with spraying water at each other. Um, they end up um, Tyrone gra- grabs his nipples and tweaks them, which I thought was not funny at all <laughs> and really weird. And like, if somebody did that to me, I think I would, I know I'm a woman, but even if I was a man, I'd say this is actually sexual assault, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I don't know what, I think it says more about you as a person that you go straight for the nipple tweak. <laughs> anyway, he takes a swing at Phil. And that was, this was quite funny because Phil's got such a long reach that he can just push Tyrone back with uh, with his hand on his head while Tyrone swings his arms like a cartoon trying to trying to get him. I love this because Tyrone has always thought that he's tougher than he actually is. He has, he? Yeah, like... he's always been a bit of a puffed up chest kind of a guy. Yeah. Um, and then he makes Tyrone smell his marigolds. Mm. Then the ladies in the street return to find them, uh, Phil and Tyrone, fighting in the street with an inflatable unicorn and an inflatable axe. Sword? I can't remember. Fizz breaks it up and says, I don't need my honour defending, thank you very much. Neither of you are allowed back in the house. But then they end up at the sing-along and they have fun as mates. So that's all right. On Sunday, Tyrone comes round um, to the house. Phil pretends he's still mad at him, but it doesn't really last very long. And then they help him out with the game of Tenable. Is that, is that a board game as well? It was an irritating TV show? Well, or is it no, a different game? No, it was that. Fizz, Evelyn said she'd recorded it off the telly and she was just using the same questions and, and Phil was trying to work out how many US states contained a Y. Remember? Nope. We definitely watched this. Wyoming is one, but that's the only one I can think of. Um, this is when Evelyn did her amazing New Jersey impression, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. But Tyrone says, Evelyn, do the thing, do the impression. And she goes... <clears throat> <laughs> oh, I was telling myself already for this. Now I'm not sure. If you if you're not about the namaste, then get out of my way. My way. No, that was no. That, that was, was from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. If you ain't about the namaste, then get out of my. No, way. I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, anyway, Maureen well, Littman is a Maureen proper Littman, thass. Yeah. she can do it. That's why she gets paid, and you don't. Yeah. So, um, I think you've gone too far, or not far enough. You need to go back. No, no, I'm there. I'm just scrolling. Where my is notes. it? Here, look, tenable. Yeah, says... that wasn't there a second ago. Later on, Fizz and Tyrone let let Pigeon, who's they've called year ago, and they say she's great or whatever. Bye. On Monday, but Phil's not there because he doesn't want him to fly at his air or something. Phil goes to take Fizz and the girls to the Christmas market for the day. The day. The whole, the whole day. whole day at the Christmas market, yeah. There must be something in that mulled wine. <laughs> then Hope finds the chestnuts at the market and she wants five bags instead of four. And this Phil, is the tenth time I've been to this Christmas market and I'm still discovering new things. Hot conkers. Hot conkers. Um, the seller says, oh, you've got such lovely daughters and Phil thanks her. And then I think Fizz is like, how come you didn't say anything about they're not really yours? And I think if I was Phil, I'd say, I think she could guess that Ruby's not related to me. <laughs> no, I thought that Fizz was okay about it because she, the woman says this and then, and Phil kind of looks at Fizz and she almost kind of gives a, a nod of, 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 of go on then. So I think, See, I think, I think she's fine with you it. just say, oh, they are lovely, but I can't take credit for it. And then you move on. <laughs> No one would find that offensive, would they? No. I think if you're a stepdad, you eventually will learn to say that phrase without even thinking about it. 
But they're clearly wanting to build up this this family unit here who well, are going to be moving off to House with the Goat. Fizz is ka-chinging at this point because five bags, absolutely no problem for Phil. Yeah. Didn't even blink. They call them five bags Phil, don't they? They do, yeah. Tyrone comes around at number nine to find Evelyn's tucking into Hope's Santa biscuit because she's getting revenge on the fact that they ate her Turkish Delight, which is why they buy her a bag of chestnuts. So it's all tit for tat on Christmas Day mm. in Coronation Street. Um, he seems all chill about Fizz and Phil being out at the market, but he says, I'm playing the long game because I don't want them him to nick my family because he'll get bored eventually, which speaks volumes about what Tyrone ended up doing with with them himself. <laughs> he got bored, didn't he? Yeah. He's like, it won't take him long. How many years did it take me? <laughs> Meanwhile, Fizz is telling Phil she doesn't mind about him saying, you know, not correcting the lady about... Whole daughter thing, um, but doesn't want to lumber him with parental responsibilities, and then and then he like jumps to stepdad, like he likes that. I think that's great. Um, again, not known them each other that long, but this is a soap, so things we we need to work out like what how time moves in a soap, because definitely much faster than real life. That's those three day weeks that will do that for you. Do you reckon it's like three times as four times as fast as? (laughs) But sometimes it drags. Yeah, that's true. It all evens itself out. Back at home, Phil gets a text from the surveyor. They've looked at the roof. It's not up to scratch. So he's going to have to not move house ever again. And he was yeah, going to... He's, he's found this massive mansion, hasn't he? A four bedroom. It seems... Det- it must be detached. It's got parkland views and a big old garden with room for a goat and, and, a, a, tree and a tree house. house and it's mm. also got a kitchen island, mm. but no roof. Not a good one, anyway. Well, you know, swings and roundabouts. So Fizz is like, oh, you want the children to have a, a tr- happy treehouse? I don't really feel like I deserve this. And he says, I will take you into my life and the girls in a heartbeat. Um, then they've got champagne out when F- Tyrone comes around. And Fizz says, we're moving in together. And he's not happy about this. She says, this is going to be great. Um, we're going to get goats. He says, I don't like that, this. And then Phil comes in and spoils it before he can say anything. So he leaves. And then Fizz comes around with a pan to give to him and says, thanks for being so nice about me and Phil and the goat. And also, by the way, I want to sell number nine. So can you sort that out, please? <laughs> so Tuesday, Tyrone and Evelyn are talking about Fizz. Can I just add something else here? Yes. I think Tyrone wouldn't be quite as upset about selling number nine if it wasn't to fund a goat. Do you think that's the uh, the sticking point for him? If at the very beginning if of this whole thing... If it was a llama, he'd be all for it. If at the very beginning of all this, all this, Tyrone and Fizz, when he'd walked off with Alina and left them, if, he, if Fizz had said, well, fine, then we'll sell the house and we can both buy somewhere separate, he would have gone, fine, then. Don't you think? If he was getting Alina out of it... Yeah, it's because he's left on his own because he's now, got nothing left and he doesn't want her to have a goat. <laughs> um, Tuesday. He's very cheesy. Tuesday. <laughs> Tyrone and Evelyn are chatting about Fizz's ultimatum and he's like miffed and jealous. And Evelyn's like, well, I'm going to be homeless, so I don't know why you're complaining. Then... Tyrone has had a great idea. He tells Fizz about, I'll sell the flat, he says, and I will give you £15,000 to give to Phil so I can keep number nine. And she's like, no way. Anyway, I think I've put more money than fifteen grand into this house, so cough up, buster. Tyrone goes is in the yard with Evelyn later talking about how he can't imagine anyone else living there. Evelyn says, well, there's no point moping about it. 
Um, then Vera the pigeon comes back. Or she says something about nobody can... I can't remember, but it's something like, here's a sign from above and it's Vera the pigeon. Mm-hmm. And um, Tyrone <laughs> says... <laughs> Did you... Is this a typo? What? Vera the pigeon comes and sits on the wall, which Tyrone sees as a pigeon that he shouldn't sell. Yeah, that is a sign that yeah. <laughs> Anyway, my fingers slipped. Back in in the pub, Fizz and Chesney are talking about the sale, and he's like, "Well, that's funny um, that you're trying to sell Tyrone's house because you know how much it means to him, and also it's quite a Coronation Street icon, isn't it? If somebody else new moves in, are they going to get rid of the cladding? And then Fizz just think of all the stories that will be in the papers of people moaning about how much they love Jack and Vera's house and all the the complaints Ofcom's going to get." can you not just stop being such a bitch and expecting to get money off of this guy? And she's like, no, I want a goat. I don't know where I am because you've moved a thing. You're right at the top. Um, Tyrone finds Fizz in the pub and he tells her straight off, I'm not selling. And then they have an argument. They start shouting at each other and it only stops when Evelyn comes in and breaks it up. And she tries, Evelyn tries to reason with Fizz after she kicks Tyrone out of the pub and says, look, you're taking Tyrone's home away. And she says, I'm really sorry. And also, sorry, I kind of made you homeless too. And Evelyn says, well, I'll, I'll be fine. But what about Tyrone? This house is really special to him. And she says, yeah, it was special to me too. But he spoiled it. He took all of our good memories and he's just made a mockery of it. And the more I stay ma- living in there, the more I remember all the bad things that happened. So Evelyn goes to see Tyrone in the flat and she says what Fizz just told her. And that she should probably, he, she, he, she says, you should really try to do the right thing by the family and the kids and make Jack and Vera proud. So he goes around to number nine and says, I'm, I'm going to sell. I don't want to, but I, I guess I'll have to. And she says, I know it's very difficult, but thanks very much. Ah. I don't know how much money she thinks she's going to get out of it. But yeah, well, the housing, I don't know. I also don't know how much money she needs because £15,000 for a roof seems about right. Yeah, but it is, a, it is a roof for a mansion, but it is up north, so I don't know. Um, I, are you enjoying this? Um, I think that, I think this is still going nicely. I, I do wish that it had come to a head like I had been predicting on Christmas Day and that Tyrone and Fizz had got back together as a nice Christmas miracle because can't we all know that that's where it's heading. Surely, surely it is heading for them getting back together. I thought that the holiday would be the straw that broke the camel's back, but clearly it's going to be something related to this house now. I'm thinking we probably still haven't seen the last of Mimi, and I'm really, 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 really hoping that we get to see an Evelyn and Mimi confrontation at some point, because um, massive missed opportunity if we don't. Um, I'm I'm finding it really fascinating, and and I'm definitely flip-flopping from one side to another here, and I can completely see how the Fizz haters are taking ammunition from some of the things that she's been saying this week, because she is putting her foot down, but then in in my head I'm thinking, no, she was, you know, she was the wronged party here, she was the one who was cheated on, that was cast aside for being too old and frumpy by Tyrone, when I didn't think that she'd done anything to deserve it, so maybe she's right and she should be fighting for him. And Who? I also, uh, sorry, she should be she fighting with him, with him or something. I said, yeah, I, I, and standing her ground. Um, I, I think the whole stuff about Tyrone being really, really invested in number nine is kind of interesting. I mean, yes, I, I can't remember when he actually moved into that house because um, it must have been like early two thousand. So it's been maybe a good 15, 20 years that he's been living there. Yes, you're going to have memories of it, but sometimes 
you just got to move house. And he's got this strange kind of idol worship of Jack and Vera. And again, yes, they treated him much better than Jackie ever did. But I don't think that that kind of you know, nostalgic attitude should mean that you can never move house ever. He's the one that moved out. Yeah. He was perfectly happy to not live there. When he had a beautiful Romanian babe to go back to. He didn't give the house two two thoughts there. Also, I'm kind of interested in when are the girls going to get brought up and the fact that Fizz is taking his daughter, Ruby, away. And I know that she's been Ruby's mum since, you know, pretty much the beginning because Kirsty only, you know, she died, what, six... No, she, she went to prison, what, six months after Ruby was born. But um, I would have thought that Tyrone might at some point this week have said, also, you're not taking Ruby with you, are you? But we've, they've already... The thing is, I think that the, the show's already kind of established that they've decided as a, as a pair that they're not going to separate the children and that they've both decided without really discussing it that Fizz is going to keep custody of the children. At no point has Tyrone demanded equal access to the children, which I think... I think it's odd because if you look at Tyrone's priorities at the moment, the top priority is bricks and mortar. Second priority, I don't know, is it Fizz or is it Ruby? Because he clearly does, I, I think... The fact that he went in for a kiss on um, on Christmas Day shows that he does still have these feelings for Fizz. And if she were to turn around and say, no, go on, Tyrone, let's give you one more chance, he'd get right in there. Um, I just don't I, think, I think he's it's that really bothered. sad that Ruby's a, a distant third. Nothing he's done She's not as cute as she used to be, is she, Tyrone? has demonstrated that he's that bothered about his children. No. And I'm sorry, but I'm only going off the evidence... I'm sure he does, but I think the coronation either needs to have Fizz throw that in his face and said, uh, do you remember you've got a daughter? Or or him to have some kind of realisation He's himself. more mad about the house yeah. than anything else. Um, which is fine. Being materialistic is like normal. I think we all pretend it's not, but we all are a bit, aren't we? But It's, it's, it's also because the, the house has, has honestly been a shrine to Jack and Vera ever since Jack died, like, what, 11 years ago, hasn't it? But um, I think it's probably healthy for him to him to move on and just keep the memories because Fizz said, oh, like, they're in your heart and everything. And I think that, that is all it needs to be. And also, I, I don't know whether it is a Coronation Street thing because they are very hesitant and reticent to make changes aren't they on the street sometimes that's why that's why there's always a knicker factory on the street and and we've spoken before in the podcast about in the olden days the face of the street would change a lot more um, often than it has been in the past 20 years or so but I, i think coronation street likes it as a shrine to jack and vera and maybe it is time to move on i mean number three was a bit of a shrine to emily bishop for the longest of times wasn't it but actually a bit of a refresh with the baileys moving in i think that's probably for the best. Do you think they'd ever change the cladding? I don't think they would change the cladding. Do you think they'd change the paint on the cladding? I think they could change the paint. Maybe they should, but I don't know whether they would. And I think it's quite an iconic looking house. I mean, the street itself as, you know, a visual image is is quite striking. And I would say it's a lot more um, recognisable than sort of any other soap street. Like, I know I'm not an EastEnders fan or anything, but I wouldn't say that if somebody were to show me you know, Walford 
street what's it called that they live in Albert, Albert Square, Square. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd recognise that I don't even know the names of the streets in um, Emmerdale or Hollyoaks I don't even know what the Woolpack actually looks like I've got no idea what the Woolpack looks like but if you were to show somebody Coronation Street with the Rovers at one end and, and number nine down the other end in the shop that's recognisable and uh, they don't want to change that but so so fine with that but yeah maybe the inside does need a bit of a refresh um, oh, definitely inside and, does. Um, they, they they did have a story before where Molly tried to change the cladding, but um, it started taking all the bricks and mortar down with it as well. So she put it right back up again afterwards. So it has been established in Coronation Street canon that that uh, that that, that wall is, is there to stay unless there's a massive um, a massive Disaster. injection of cash. Uh, and I think if somebody had that much money, maybe they wouldn't want to move into the house anyway. Yeah, I I don't I'm not on um, Tyrone's side here. I'm afraid. I think that he's got no leg to stand on when it he instigated everything that's happened. Mm. Whether I, I don't I don't know what he expected to happen. And it also, if he's happy for Fizz, the thing is, he's so entitled, and I don't think he realizes this that he like he wants Fizz to carry on raising the children. And they've both said that they consider both children to be their daughters. And I know that he's only related biologically to Ruby and not Hope. But you can't have it one, you know, you can't say that my daughter's one minute and the next minute you only want to take responsibility for one of them. So he's perfectly happy for her to keep living in his house and presumably paying all the bills. And I don't know what the, whether they have a mortgage or not, but I assume that they're probably both maintaining their contributions to that, whatever they were previously. Yeah. He's happy for her to feed the kids. He only babysits them from time to time. His he she's she's also hosting and and looking after her his grandmother. Yeah. Right. And and but but that's fine. But she's not allowed to improve her life in any way whatsoever by moving to a nicer, bigger house. Mm. I Who feel... wouldn't want to move from a, from a little terraced house with no garden to a place that's big enough for a goat? I know. Four bedrooms. And, you know, I, I don't imagine that Evelyn's going to go with them, but if I was Fizz, I would actually have asked Phil if Evelyn could move with us because I think it's a bit crap not to. Don't understand I felt, why I it Tyrone... I sad for Eva because Evelyn said um, at one point this week, like, this is the, the most settled I've ever felt. I know, and, and she really... said before but that nobody thinks saying... about her. Yeah, she's but she, she is also thinking... Uh, she's also said, you know, I'll, I'll find somewhere, I'll be all right. Know, she's not particularly sad, down about it. But the thing is, though, I don't, like, there are solutions beyond selling number nine. Like, Tyrone sells his flat and gives her 15 grand and then says, that's all you get it. And he hasn't tried that approach yet. Mm. He also hasn't tried the approach of... I'll sell my flat, move into this flat, move into this house, give you the 15 grand and then I'll take a second mortgage out on this and then I'll give you the rest of the money that you're owed, which is a solution. The thing is, a solution has to be found when people split up normally. It's only because he's moved out voluntarily into the flat that he already owns that this didn't come up before now. I don't know what he thought was going to happen when he decided to leave his family for another woman. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And I, and I have been feeling sorry for Tyro. And even though I'm saying, you know, he's got to cut ties and, and move on eventually. And uh, I, I have been feeling bad for him because I, I've got, you know, the attachment to, the, to my dad's house at the moment. And I said at the beginning of the episode mm. that now I've probably been there for the last time. And it is very sad. And like I've got memories there of my mum and and some but it, cats. But I just want to say it's but... a bit different for you because it's changed since your mum died. Yeah, yeah, it has quite a lot. So it probably doesn't feel 
quite the same. <laughs> Unlike the Duckworth's house. Yeah, that's what I mean. Very similar indeed. No, no, it's, it's not exactly the same. But, um, but, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, he is the one that decided to leave. And maybe, maybe he should have kicked Fizz out then. Because yeah. it, but, but, but I suppose at the time we thought, well, why, why has he moved out? And maybe it is because Fizz has contributed to it. And we thought it was odd at the time, thinking, well, she hasn't got a leg to stand on here. But maybe that's, that explains why. That it is, you know, she does have some ownership. And yeah, if, if, he, didn't, if he didn't want to risk losing the house, then he should have kept it in his trousers, really. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, yeah, I, it just is unfortunate, but that's his, nothing that's happened is due to an action that Fizz has taken. Mm. So I don't, I, I just think it was kind of stupid of him to expect her to just live there forever in his house, if that's what he thinks it is, and never change or move or do anything different. Mm. Like, what would have happened, what happens when Ruby and Hope get old enough that they want their own bedrooms? They don't even have their own bedrooms. I, I I just wonder if Alina had still been on the scene and they'd been happily living in above the salon, if Fizzy had moved out there, would he have just like gone, oh yeah, bye, bye then? Or would he have said, hang on a minute, you can't can't go? If she had said, I want money, um, I'm moving out, I think Alina would have convinced him to get some money to pay her off to live in number nine. Maybe. I just think it just it's logical that if, if you're going to separate and there's some kind of equal ownership because he said his name's on the d's but she said she's contributed and they've both done googling and honestly it's not clear-cut and this is why marriage if you i don't whether you believe in it or not it's an institution that protects your financial interests just as much as it does anything else and if you think it's just a piece of paper then this proves what kind of a piece of paper that it is doesn't (laughs) it it's a very powerful piece of paper and it's a legal kind of what's the word i don't know it's a legal explanation of your situation in yeah. regards to one another and what should happen. Would you would you like to dissolve the, the partnership? So I would have thought that at some point... If only she'd gotten into Greece. <laughs> no, I know. She was so close. Happened. So close. <laughs> I, I would have thought that if at some point in the next week we might have one or the other of them going to see Adam or, or Imran to finding out exactly... Yeah, where they stand on this because at the moment it's all a bit. We don't know what's going on. It's very strange. I mean, I also at the end of the day, I'm still thinking she's not going to move, is she? No, in the back of my head, this is what I. Yeah, I'm enjoying the drama, but they're not going to. There's no. There's not going to be a goat on Coronation Street. As much as we all want there to be a goat, we're going to have to let go of that dream. We know this is all moot, really, because at the end of the day, Fizz is going to get throw a lot in with Tyrone back. They're going to be living at that house number nine. Nobody's going to change the cladding. They might change the wallpaper. It's going to be back to normal at Easter. Well, yeah, Fizz um, said that maybe April is when they're moving. I don't know. I was how, thinking, as, what as somebody planet... who has just moved house recently, I don't know whether Fizz can be quite so sure. But maybe also... it's Coronation Street's way of saying, "Oh, Easter story, Easter reunion." I also absolutely love the throwaway line that she said was um, when she was showing Ches the house, and they were saying, "Oh, when are you going to move in?" And she's like, "Oh, it won't be very long. We just got to sell our house." I was thinking, <laughs> "Okay, good luck with that." I know. I, I don't think but so. We definitely know that things regarding property sales and that definitely do move faster on Coronation well, Street than real Well, I can life, imagine Mimi they? coming in going, I'll buy this house. I'll check for you right now. <laughs> and then the next day she's just living there and the paperwork's all been sorted. Yeah. Rich yeah. people have different ways of moving things along. I just, I don't know whether I want this to go until April. 
I no, I only said this, I only yeah. said Easter because. It's... No, no, I, I said that because Fizz said the date of April, and I think it's Curry's way of telling us here's an Easter story. It doesn't need to go on that long, particularly, but um, I mean, it could be worse. It could be the MLM story still going from this year Jesus. and going until Easter. I don't know. Um, anything else for this one? Um, oh, the, the Christmas Day fight between Fizz and Tyrone. I thought that was actually okay. As much as I was down on Christmas Day, and it was obviously very, very silly, I kind of enjoyed it, although I was a little bit confused about, are they really mad at each other because they're clearly just having a bit of a play fight? It was and just if I was a bit Phil and I'd been told that this guy had just tried to snog my girlfriend, I'd be, a bit I'd be cross. actually punching his lights out and attacking Aww, him with a you? real unicorn and not would just you? a blow-up one. Yeah. If somebody tried to kiss me, would you kill them with a unicorn? I'd skewer them with that horn. Aww. Actually, no, it was Tyrone with the unicorn. Unicorn, wasn't it? Okay, well, I'd, let, I'd let them have a go at me with a unicorn, and then when I was at the Christmas sing song later, I'd yeah turn it against them. Yeah, absolutely. You need to get a virgin so, to sing to it, don't you? Little bit silly, but also kind of fun. And I did, I did like Phil's line of "smell my marigolds," and he has his rubber gloves stuck up his nose. But yeah, I hope that Fizz haters didn't mind that discussion. I don't honestly don't get what's so wrong with her. I, I, I absolutely see both sides on this and I think that's one of the reasons I just why I'm enjoying say, it. Similar to Kelly see, and Abby, really. My, I can see both of their points of view. My opinion on this really is a pretty neutral, I think, because I'm neither a fan of, of Tyrone or Fizz. The only the only opinion I have on either of them is purely based on how they've acted in this story, and I'm totally hundred percent on Fizz's side. Oh, who's that at the door? Okay, I'm back. I'm back from the door, and I wouldn't normally keep that one in. And and uh, but but we have got this is quite exciting. We've got a Conversation Street delivery. Look, it actually says on the front to Michael and Gemma, Conversation Street. And this wasn't didn't come from the postman. It came from our neighbour, so he's probably worried. That's what Dorian. I'm thinking. Let <laughs> me Google it. What oh does he think? God. Michael and Gemma, Conversation Street. Oh, is? I don't know, but this this was delivered to us. Um, like on Boxing Day? No, maybe even Christmas Eve this came, but we obviously couldn't get it because we've been away at Dad's. But now we get a live unbagging of this thing that's come through the post. And, and I know what this is. Is it and, anthrax? And you know what this is. but um, And it, and it says, um, sender, Mr. Paul Lanigan. No, no, no. Says, Don't be reading people's names out. I'm not reading those address out. I'm just saying this is Paul. This is Corrie Art Paul, who uh. you might know from Twitter. What? What? He doesn't mind. I'm going to say thank you to him. And I'm going to open this up. This is very exciting because I thought Christmas was over. Sorry, Street Talkers, if you want to know more about what we're, what we're even talking I about. Are we know. talking about Fizz and Tyrone? Gemma, do you want to... Uh, this is the best... I think this is why people do this on YouTube because it's probably more interesting to, to watch. Uh, uh, uh. Sorry, I thought I'd be able to get into this a I know, bit more this quickly. Is, um, this is this is prime podcasting entertainment right here. But this you're is gonna a, disembowel this is a very well wrapped. We've got a nice free oh. um, penguin bag now. But I think I might have cut it. Right, oh, there's there's plastic inside. Oh, oh my gosh. There's, there's I'm getting polystyrene balls getting everywhere, pl- pl- polystyrene which the cat enjoys eating. And now, right, it's wrapped up again. This is like this is like Inception for bags. No, I was thinking of like past the parcel. I think you might need to go and get something from the kitchen to help you out with this, Gemma. No, why? Ugh. Oh, there's another. <laughs> there's another bag inside. This you is want great. To, do you want to open that one? Okay. What uh. has come in the post? Come for. I know what it is. 
Michael, you're not going to believe this. I think I know what this is. You're not going to believe this. What? It's another bag. Another bag inside the bag is amazing. There's another bag inside the bag. There is another bag. R-Rail. We have got a bottle of R-Rail from Paul. Thank you very much. This is what's been sold in co-ops all everywhere up and down the country except any co-ops around here. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. It is a clever blend of three hop varieties. I think you need to try some. I'm not going to. I know. I don't want to open it. You're not going to drink it. No. We've got we've got two here. You can drink. There's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you joking? I'm not going to open this one live because we need to get back on and talk about Coronation Street stuff. There's one for for you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to drink mine. Mine can be for show, but you can have a drink of that later. You want to have a live drinking on the podcast? I want to make um, a nice stew with it. Are you going to drink it with your mouth? Not, I haven't got a bottle opener. Why do you go and get one? I'll talk about what I was talking about. I'll I'll talk about you, don't knock you, a gift hearse in the mouth. You go and get a bottle opener. So this is weird. So um George, our local undertaker on Christmas Eve, is digging for present ideas and he's asking Eileen what her favourite type of handle is. So so far up to this point, he said, What's your favourite wood? Uh, I think he was trying to work out how tall she was. Now he's asking her what her favourite handle is, and I didn't put two and two together at all here, but the big reveal comes on Saturday when Eileen um, goes along to the Undertaker's with George, and she's presented with a coffin, uh, with a bow on it. And it's not just a coffin, everybody, it's a bespoke funeral package for Christmas, and um, unsurprisingly, she's pretty narked about this, because who would want to get a funeral package for Christmas? Um, she stomps right out of there. George and Todd... Um, at the end of the episode are um, are left high and dry singing at the Christmas market along with Billy and everybody else and then we have Sunday Um, George calls round number 11 to see Eileen but Tob says no she's gone off for a walk somewhere he is clearly George still very confused about why Eileen didn't love this amazing present that was probably worth how long how much does an extra funeral package cost like for a thousand pounds, he's obviously put a lot into this, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't understand why she doesn't like the idea. But anyway, when he walks off, um, Eileen pops up from inside, so she's not really gone on for a walk. How did, did... You just think? Did you say that a funeral package costs over a thousand pounds? Doesn't it? Costs way more than a thousand. Oh yeah, that's pounds. what I thought. I know, but that's like saying it costs over five pounds. <laughs> so uh, George must really care for for her. Yeah, welcome back, Gemma. What have you? Oh, you got you. Oh, you got a fancy. Is that is that a Vera bottle stop that you got there? Yeah. So we've got a lobster um, lobster bottle opener here. And what is that actually on top of the bottle opener? A bottle Maybe stopper, a, I mean. A pe- uh, little phoenix or no, something. No, what's it a called? Dove or... Peacock. I I mean, a oh, peacock. yeah, a little peacock. We'll say it's a pigeon. They though. sent this to me by accident and then I said I could keep it. So I did. Who did? The bottle stop Oliver people. Oliver Bonus. Oh, or yes. Bonas. Oh, that was a bit of a bonus for you then, wasn't it? Was. it? Just let, let, let's hear the pust in front of the microphone. So... There we oh go. God, it's going on the bed. <laughs> anyway, I'm so spill it. I'm just going to carry on talking while you get your get your your lid off, and then uh, Eileen says, "How did George even come up with the idea of buying me a funeral?" Todd says, "No, well, actually, my idea it was someone else, and it turns out that it was Gail what done it. Gail was the one that put the idea in George's head that Eileen would love a bespoke funeral package as her Christmas present. So she has it out with her in the Can pub I later. Can I say it's not bespoke if you didn't bespoke it yourself? <laughs> and um, she, she she calls Gail deranged and the idea morbid. And then after Todd pulls Eileen away, Gail grins evilly to herself, which I thought was kind of fun." Right, do you want to have a, 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 a tasting here, Why are you making here, me do this? 
because you're the person who drinks alcohol in this family. I don't me. drink beer. Can I have a smell of it? Yeah. It smells really oh, nice. Oh, God. I hate the smell of... That's it smells horrible. really nice, actually. It's very... Is it like coffee, though? Can it I say it's coffee? Nice is that a thing? I don't know. 4.2% so chilled, volume. but not too cold to appreciate all the flavours. Go on. A live tasting of our ale. Tastes kind of... Yeah, chocolatey or... It says malty sweetness. Is it nice? Could, could you imagine finishing it's the bottle ale. with glee? Or are we just going to be putting a stopper in that and putting it in a nice stew? It's very, very nice and it's a very lovely gift. Thank you very much because we wanted to get this. We, we did want to get some of that. I think that's amazing. There we go. I put my, it is my pigeon in up. the top. <laughs> Thank you very much. This right. is great. Well, I I was... put, um, we'll make a stew out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll put it on the... Uh, we can, can't we? Amazing. Right, Monday, um, Eileen tells Todd that it's all over now between her and George. Todd says, look, look, he's a decent bloke. This isn't worth splitting up over. And it's actually brewed in Manchester. So. Oh, of course, it's at the Robinson's Brewery, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, so later on, Todd's trying to defend himself when George says that he stitched him right up over this coffin thing because Todd, at any point during the process, could have said, no, I don't think actually my mum's going to re- appreciate this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I did just kind of want to see my mum's reaction to this. And he promises, though, he's working on her, though, and uh, he, he's going he's gonna to get her to make up with George um, Lickety Split. And to speak of the devil, Eileen walks right in through the door. George tries to explain himself, though um, he still doesn't really seem to get how weird this whole funeral present is. And she says, look, it came across as a death threat, not a present from someone you care about. She was going to say love, wasn't she? She was going to say someone you love, but her Curry's not willing to invest that much into the, uh, into the relationship. No, they, no, they want... That. They no, want us to go, ooh. They think we're super hopeful. Yeah, they think we're on tenterhooks about George and Eileen. Uh, I think you've got to give us more than this Coronation Street to get us there, but never mind. She admits at the end his heart's in the right place and agrees to take him back. And in the pub later, he presents her with a nice new coat. And that's the oh. end. Is that the end? I don't think I'd want I a coat either. I think more than that. I'd rather buy my own coat. It was a big, nice, fluffy one, wasn't it? And then she threw the wrapping paper out of the set. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were in the booth that was up against the wall and we saw the saw the wrapping paper just go down the side of the chair that shouldn't have been there. But um, I, this is all right. I, I'm glad that Eileen and George have got some scenes together. I think this is maybe more scenes than they've had together in the whole of their relationship, isn't it? But I did think it was very silly how George didn't get how it was a bad idea. He's surely not that dense. Don't you think? I just want to say that I don't think that anybody is um, really going to buy their own coffin. So it's not like you've bought me anything I'm going to use. I mean, I know I'm going to use it, (laughs) but I'm never going to be buying it. I'm not shopping for it. I'm not worried about it. Someone else's problem. Of all the things to worry about in my life, I'm not worried about my funeral. Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be. If you signed up to the Sun Life Over 50s plan, I then can't. it's all taken care of. I looked you. into this because I was like, brilliant. Because I remember my nan paid into one of these because when my granddad died, she was very stressed about how much it cost because it does co- it cost a lot of money. A coffin by itself is over a £1,000. Mm. A solid mahogany coffin from fullcirclefunerals.co.uk is £1,800. Crikey. How does George have all this money when he's basically given people... Apology funerals, you know, it was when they first opened the funeral parlour there. He was like, Oh, you go, Mrs. Mrs. Smythe Bottom Fancy Pants, you can have this for free. And oh, don't worry about that. Wasn't she? Todd, yeah, Todd so was I saying, 
you're not running a good business here. How on earth is he able to afford that? He must really. Well, I'm love telling her. you, he must really care about her. How much is the? How much is the? Um, commission on on a coffin. Yeah. How much percentage? It's like when you buy a bottle of wine, how much of that actually goes towards the wine? Because most of it's tax. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Is this, is, do you have to pay VAT on coffins? <laughs> I don't know. Um. Anyway, it was it was a bit too much on the silly side, I would say, but maybe it was um. A welcome respite for all the the, the Abby and uh, Nina harrowing scenes that we got to see. I don't know. I pretty much think Mahogany Coffin's the top of the line, you know. Is it? Mm. I wonder if she's actually going to keep it. Well, that's the other thing. If he so... tries to take it back, if he says I've taken it back to get you your coat, and she's like, hang on a minute, the coat wasn't worth half as much as what that coffin was. I want them both, please. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Next story, Gemma. Barlow and uh, and and Platt. Christmas dinner shenanigans. Right, so Christmas Day, Saturday. Sarah comes around to number eight with a bottle. Oh, this, I didn't like this. She comes around and she's like, oh, I couldn't be bothered to do anything for Christmas. It's not like I had. I didn't have any warning. I didn't know it was going to be today. Um, so I've just bought some money for the children and a bottle of wine for everybody else. Um, and the kids are upstairs and David's done the turkey, um, which is overnight. No, Audrey has started to drink already, which I would do too if my granddaughter came in and said, um, I've got you nothing. And she said, and then she says, I've put 20 quid in the card. <laughs> Why don't we all just sit in a circle and pass 20 quid to the right? And I've done with it, if you're going to be like this about it. <laughs> Can't you even just buy me a box of shortbread or something, you bunch of buggers? No wonder <laughs> Nina doesn't want to do Christmas, if this is the standard. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pats have arrived at the bistro, because uh, and David's still stressing out about about the cooking. Kids won't. Kids have decided not to come. Daniel's decided to spend the day with Beth and Kirk. Adam's asleep, because he's been busy trying to conceive the new Barlow. They had an energetic night, according to Sarah. Then we get P- Peter and Carla Dane to arrive, followed by Adam and Harry, and then Steve and Ken. And then Amy and Tracy's girl can't be bothered either. And then Leanne, Nick and Sam come, and they're like, no, I don't want to, because Shona says that Ken's bought his handbells. So at the moment, we're like, two-thirds of the, of the invited guests haven't been bothered to either leave the house or actually get through the door. Um, later on they've eaten the, the dinner and Audrey is trying to put brandy on the pudding and Carla's, Carla's all the way through keeps going can you we stop talking about alcohol and, and offering Peter alcohol because he's an alcoholic and he can't have any and Peter's like don't worry about it and Audrey's like he doesn't care where's the brandy and, and Carla's getting really annoyed and Audrey's just oblivious and Peter eventually has to say I don't even eat Christmas pudding so it doesn't make any difference I thought that was weird why would Carla not know that Peter doesn't like Christmas pudding I think if you don't like a Christmas pudding everybody in your family knows because it's going to be That's a discussion every year everybody knows who in my family doesn't doesn't like Christmas pudding because everyone always, no, nobody likes it in my family everyone likes it in your family yeah I thought it's it was, I thought Carla was being I understand I understand um I think she's in the right on principle but in this situation she's just being a bit annoying because it's like well he's not eating it and you've brought an alcoholic to a Christmas party where everyone's drinking and then you're getting mad about it afterwards. You should have established some rules before. And, but they also should have been a bit more sensitive. Maybe. Pete, the Peter really doesn't seem bothered about it. So I think if I knew that also Peter wasn't bothered about it, I'd be like, yeah, 
bring on the brandy. Or I'd say, is there? I would say, is there something he can have that isn't alcoholic? And they would say yes or no, wouldn't they? There's a lovely going... chocolate bomb in the fridge. And, and the other the thing I think, which is an obvious thing, which Carla wouldn't know because she's never cooked a day in her life, but it's got alcohol in it already, Carla. <laughs> the, that ship has sailed. Yeah. So, um, Dave. What? You just put your finger up. I'm just saying we're at the top of the page now. I thought you were saying stop because you need a wee. No. David's gone home and Sarah's annoyed because she's planned everything and then now it's time for pudding and then I guess they eat it. We don't see that. And then Ken starts passing the bells out. Um, Audrey decides she's going home to Grasmere Drive and Steve says, I'll take you. And so even more people have left and then get Ken and Gail decide to go to the pub but it's closed. They leave Sarah and Adam alone in the bistro, presumably Shagathon. And On then the table. Gail and Ken end up at the sing-along. And that was so, that. So, again, a very whelming story. Uh, that was. We'll come back to that. Because well, that the story then takes a break until Tuesday, didn't it? It came back last night and I was like, oh, I don't really need any more of this. Tuesday. But... Adam's back at work. Sarah's like, you should be at work on my cervix. And he's like, well, I've got <laughs> to do this boundary dispute. And she's like, you're disputing my vagina. And he's like, no, I've got work to do. And she's like, working on my uterus. He's like, no. <laughs> I don't get paid for that. Upfront about the amount of sex that she's getting, isn't she? She like she doesn't care who knows that she's been at it all night. (sighs) Yeah, I don't want to know about it. Keep it it to yourself, love. Sarah chats with Lydia, and she's talking about. She says, "I'm glad your little fling with Adam didn't get in the way of our friendship." And Lydia says, "What little fling?" gets offended obviously there was a more serious a aspect more of this relationship between adam and lydia that we don't know about yet daisy talks to sarah about how adam is a chip off the old barlow block if the story is about ken to be believed barlow by name bar very low by standards she says sarah confronts adam about lydia's reaction and he changes the subject by saying let's go shagging a hotel on new year's eve yeah and she's like ovulation window closed no more shagging for a month <laughs> Um, I, I'm not interested at all in the Adam and Sarah's side of this. I don't know whether there's anything more you want to say about that, or do we just talk about how the Christmas well, dinner thing didn't quite live up to expectations? Well, I think it's clear that there's going to be some kind of conception-like sh- issue, problem, or he's going to end up being the, the father of someone of Lydia's kid, Finn. or... No, I quite, just, like, I quite not, like Lydia, but I'm, not, I'm just not interested in every other line from Sarah being about, come on, drop your jaws, mister. The most unexpected thing that could possibly happen in this story is that they conceive a child and in nine months' time, you know, around August, September, a beautiful new Barlow baby is born with no mishaps or problems whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have heard tell of um, couples struggling to conceive that they begin to feel the romance as sort of dulled somewhat when they're shagging on schedule so maybe that could come up they didn't have any romance anyway like adam starting to feel as though she's abusing him and only (laughs) wants him for his body which would be a bit of a turnabout i think he'd like that no i don't think there's there's been no hint of any romance between adam and sarah as far as i'm concerned i think it's all been about the animalistic carnal pleasures and stuff so um i I I know but but when it's the lady having uh, forcing you Uh, suddenly shoes on the other foot maybe maybe okay so this christmas dinner thing it, it was a bit of a dud wasn't it i don't think i don't think lots of people thought that but I was watching it. I was waiting for having a big old family 
Pat Barlow gathering with massive fallouts and, and comedy one-liners everywhere, but it turned into a bit of a half... We can't get all the cast in, in the bistro set, so we're going to have to come up with increasingly stupid reasons why they don't come, and, and maybe for some of them just no reason. So we had, um, what was it, Max and Lily are playing on their online games upstairs, so they're just left home alone. How are... Presumably didn't have any dinner. Yeah, presumably no. On Christmas Day, I'm sorry. If you need, if you've got a family uh, meal out, but with your kids on Christmas Day, those kids are coming. All right, especially so... Lily. Okay. And then you add Tracy and Amy. The writers couldn't be bothered to think of a reason; they just didn't want to show up. Um, who else was there? Daniel. Uh, the whole. The Daniel whole... spent the 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 day with Kirk yeah, but... and. The whole um, thing last week was, oh, but Daniel and Max together at Christmas Day, how's that going to work out? And then last Wednesday or Tuesday, was it? I can't remember, they kind of had a, a, a truce, didn't they? they? They said, okay, well, let's, let's not take this any further. And then neither of them bothered to turn up. I think the joke was supposed to be that nobody turned up. It was, but... But it wasn't that funny. It wasn't that funny. It was just... And unfortunately, I've, I felt I've, I felt felt we were being led to a scenario that would be akin to a new comedy great of all time, like the, the AO meeting or some kind of legendary one-liner, you know, constant funny quips about people, but there weren't any... Were there funny lines? Not really. I and don't remember Audrey anything. did her best. Audrey was funny because she was drunk. There was this call-out to the olives, which we always appreciate. But that that's what it, it um, felt we got, to me. We had a bit of a mishap with, with David trying to cook. It felt to me that there was the same old lines. And, 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 and yes, sometimes it's funny when characters get drunk and Audrey is always good for a laugh. Audrey was the funniest It bit. kind of writes itself, but it was still funny. But then there, there was lots of callbacks, like like the Olives. And uh, every Christmas it's David saying, Oh, everybody gets me a birthday as well, you know. Oh, I hope you got me a two birthday present. So they brought out that line again. And then they had Ken with his handbells, which was a callback to, oh, do you remember that Christmas a couple of years ago when I had everybody playing handbells in Daniel's flat? Wasn't that hilarious? It wasn't that great then. Um, it, it just, it, it was a real disappointment for me, really. But I, I kind of glossed over it now, really. It's, it's in the past and I, and I know lots of people did enjoy it, so... So that's good. But I just felt meh. a bit the only reason I just felt a bit cheated that we didn't have a big Barlow Platt get together, which I think would have been epic and brilliant. I've, I I wonder whether it was a case of right, we know we cannot have all of these characters together in one set. What can we do? With I understand that? that, but I felt and... like they could have then saved this for another year. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I didn't I didn't feel like we had this had to be the year. I quite liked, and even though I said I didn't like all the callbacks in it, I kind of liked the bit with characters popping out the freezer saying, how could people get trapped in here? It's really easy. It was, there were some funny bits. I there, just, there were some it just funny felt, bits. It felt like if this was a normal episode, I would have thought it was quite funny. Yeah. Um, okay, next up we got The Silence of the Sams. This was another one where I thought, oh. right, Christmas Day, Sam is going to have a Christmas miracle and start talking. He'll go, God bless us, I everyone. thought he was going to have his Tiny Tim moment, or at the very least, when the when Billy started um, tinkling on the ivories at the end of the episode, I thought that Sam would be just caught up in the Christmas magic of it and sing a raucous chorus of We Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day in B-flat. But no, he just nodded his head along. 
and Sam Blakeman, who did not speak. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was totally. Um, and and the thing is, the way that they made him speak, basically all that happens is that um, he decides that he's now really likes Hope, even though they've never had a scene together, as far as I know. And um, they've got walkie-talkies, the girls have for Christmas, and um, Sam is convinced to um, converse over the walkie-talkies with Hope, and he says... Um, sorry over or something and, and and Nick gets really excited by the fact that he's now spoken and he goes Sam Sam oh it's nice to hear you talking and Sam's like oh, not talking to you anything. though mate um, and then he's still silent at the end of the episode and Nick's kind of getting really frustrated because he thought that this was a breakthrough moment for him and it was but he thought that it meant it would all be over but no the story's going on for a little bit longer that's basically what happened um, I just think that if they'd have had him singing along all Christmassy on Christmas Day, they could have still then, excuse me, gone back to him not speaking the next day. It it was just a bit odd that Hope was the one to make him come out of his shell. Do you think she's the Marilyn Monroe to his Arthur Miller? I don't understand that reference. If you'd said Marilyn Monroe and JFK, I would get that. No, because Arthur Miller was an intellectual. Oh, okay. Yes, I don't think JFK can be accused of that. <laughs> I don't know. Hope's pretty pretty conniving and, and clever herself as well. Um, any, any thoughts about... So was about... Marilyn Monroe. Oh, yes, she was. You're Thank right. you very she was. much. Marilyn Monroe was clever. The fact that people still think she's dumb is just a sign of how clever she was. Mm. Um, people confusing her character in Some Like It Hot with reality. I know. Did you, did you enjoy this or thought it was a missed opportunity? Pass. Pass on that one. Well, the story's passed because we haven't heard anything more from it from Sunday, so I guess we'll have to wait until 2022 to find out when Sam's going to speak next. And finally, Gemma, I will pass the case of the munchies over to you. Well, that typical, isn't it? What? Me and the munchies, yeah. always. Friday, Emma is still mad at Steve about the whole wedding thing. She says if he wants her to forgiveness, he can look for Curtis. Thank you very much. And Eileen says, you, you're going to lose this kid unless you give her a hand. So he goes and finds her in the pub later and says, look, I did try. I, you know, I'm right about Curtis. I don't really care what you think, but you know, in the end, I'm right. Saturday, Christmas Day, she just moons around looking at photos of Curtis on her phone. Tuesday, uh, Steve is, um, uh, I can't believe Emma's trying to get Tim to go looking for Curtis. She's like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, he thinks she's throwing her life away. Then we see Faye having a bad driving lesson with Craig, who doesn't pull her over for erratic driving. Because <laughs> he's in the car. Mm-hmm. The car's smoking. They get out. Tim has white. to fix it. Uh, he also offers to take Faye out for a few lessons, but she's um, not happy about that. So Tim asks Emma if she can teach Faye, and she agrees to give it a go because he reckons that it's probably easier because she's not as intimidated by Emma. I wouldn't trust Emma to teach anyone anything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think, I think if you're at the level where you you're it's the, your confidence that needs building rather than the actual basic fundamentals of how a car and the road works. I think it's all right. <laughs> Emma's like, oh, road works. Oh, that's oh. good. The road works up there. Oh, roundabout, brilliant. Let's go to the Christmas fair. <laughs> um, they get they get in the car and drive away. Back in the roads later, Faye is telling Emma that she really should try to make amends with Steve. But Emma wants to drag it out a bit longer. The, the end. end. That was a bit of a, uh, a downer to the street talk, wasn't it? Because that story was a whole load of nothing. Ugh. Not interested in Faye learning to drive. Not interested in Emma teaching her how to drive. And I'm certainly not interested in Emma's pursuits of getting Curtis back and saying, Steve, I don't think I can ever forgive you. And the whole cliche story of, oh, you, Tim, can you tell Steve that I'm saying this? Like, oh, for heaven's sake. So that was a bit silly. Um, 
but and 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 once more I was wrong in my prediction that Emma and Curtis would have a Christmas wedding so we've still got that to look forward to I'm sure in the new year and we have reached finally the end of our street talk Gemma a bit of a long one but we did have more episodes to go over this week and we, we to, and we stopped to open a present we stopped to open a post as well halfway through it um what are we giving this one out of five? I think, I think if it was just, ba- you know, I, I was let down by Christmas Day because it just wasn't my thing. But I have fairly well enjoyed it since. The Abbey stuff has got me more annoyed, but more because it's like, I really don't want Abby to be so self-destructive, even though that's her character and one of the things I like about her. So it's a bit all very confusing. Um, but on the whole, I think I thought it was a, a decent set of episodes this week. I am going to give this bunch of shows. I'm going to give it four shuttered ovulation windows out of five this week. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, I think you? I'm. I think I agree with you on, on what score to give it. Um, I'm glad that lots and lots of people thought that Christmas Day was a really good episode. And, and, oh, I'm glad as well. Um, I think it was really nice for Coronation Street to go back to the roots of like a properly festive, low stakes kind of fun. I really, really liked um, Billy on the piano. I thought that was nice. I thought fun. it was a nice ending. And, and when they were at that the end and Jenny great. was telling Daisy, oh, I'm proud of you. I thought that was lovely. That was lovely. When they were all just singing self-consciously along and we got to see them all together. How did they all know all the words to all the songs? I don't know. Them. How did he know how to play the piano <laughs> with exactly how she said, told him to? Brilliant. I thought that was really sweet. So give it four. Um, and I will give it four mystic pigeons perched on a garden wall. Nice. Okay, okay. Um, okay, character of the week time then. Billy. No, it's not Billy. Billy's piano. Of course it's not Billy's piano. Leon. Leo. <laughs> <It's his laughs> name. I don't know his name. That's how much impression um, he's made I'm going to give this give character... I'm going to give the character of the week to the goat. No, you got to be Because so... it is the goat. <laughs> Stop it. Right, who's our character of the week this week? It's hard It's hard not to give it to Abby, but I can't really reward her naughty behaviour this week. But I'm going to give it to Abby. I thought you were. Because I've never given the character of the week to the most morally upstanding person. No, I know. Ask Pedo Van Man, who's... <laughs> right alongside there with Abby, I can't, I can't Abby, condone his behaviour at all. But, um, I, you know, she was compelling. I, really, I liked... I wonder, also, the people who... Um, rightfully so, don't agree with her being cruel to Kelly. Um, I wonder whether they their hearts were softened even a little bit when she gave her speech yeah, at the addiction clinic and said, this is how I'm feeling, even, you know. Um, I thought that was great. That scene between the pair of them, um, that scene was fantastic. I don't understand drug addiction. I don't know what drives somebody to start taking drugs, but I felt very close, much closer to understanding it after that scene than I ever have before. So I think that was really good writing, really great performance. I can't give it to Kelly because I don't like her very much. So I give it to Abby. Okay. I'm, I might actually, because she, she has certainly been the character that has um, brought up about the most discussion and controversy this week. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, she was the character that most people were talking about this week. So maybe I will. I mean... You can I always was, give it to Kelly in I, the interest of balance. I'm not giving it to Kelly. Though, oh, okay, alright. I'm not mind. going that far. I'm not going that far. I am on Team Abby still, but I, I do feel bad for for, for, for Kelly. Um, I, I would give props to Kelly. I will also give props to Daisy. And I literally, I'm looking forward 
and I'm happy when Daisy comes on the screen now, which is a far cry from six months ago. Um, I think Dev also deserves a bit of a shout out for telling Kelly some um, much needed home truths there. Um, and also maybe Fizz, because for putting her foot down and saying, no, I want my house with a goat. Sorry, Tyrone, you the one that moved out of this place. You should have thought about that when you kissed Alina. I just have got this image of like a parallel universe, Coronation Street, where people actually do some of the things they say they're going to do that you know they're not going to do. Where um, Ty- where Fizz and Phil live in this like dilapidated cottage that looks like the Weasleys out of Harry Potter <laughs> with a marauding goat in the yeah, garden burrow. and Ruby and Hope run screaming in and out of the garden every day to get to school, terrified of this goat that eats their homework and the teacher doesn't believe them. Tell you what, if they lived in the burrow, that cornfield around them would be up in a blaze like the Emmerdale one with Hope living there, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. She'd love that. Yeah. Oh, it's nice and dry. <laughs> Mum, check this out. Um... Is that I going for Abby? I think I'll go for Abby. Sorry, everybody. I know that's really controversial, but if I hadn't gone for Abby, I'd have gone to Fizz and people wouldn't have been happy with that either. You tell us your character of the week, everybody. Everybody has their own opinions and it's all based on our own life experiences. Life's been very kind to Michael and I, so we feel freer to sympathise with people who have who are naughty, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think some people who like might Abby. have... You know, maybe if you you're also uh, a murderer, you might sympathise with Kelly more. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think it's time we moved on to the next part of the podcast. Only, not, only people are listening that understand. That I think they do. I think it's okay. okay, okay sure. I think it's okay. Sure? Let's move on. I think we should. <laughs> Right, news time then. We are going to be quick about this one because it's going to be turning into a bumper long podcast. Um, obviously, not been a whole lot of news recently, but um, the, the the Christmas Day ratings have come out, so why not make a news article about that? Um, gone are the days when Coronation Street would be um, vying with EastEnders to get the number one on the Christmas Day chart with maybe Doctor Who just edging them out some years. We didn't even have a Doctor Who to enjoy this Christmas Day, yet still Corrie, Emmerdale and EastEnders were not even in the top five on Saturday's ratings. It's shocking. It's Did shoddy. that take into consideration the... No, that's that's all I, all I can say about this. Obviously, Coronation Street got uploaded onto the hub early. We did watch um, Christmas Eve's on the hub, didn't we? Because that was quite handy, actually, because we had to drive up to Coventry, so we got that out of the way first, but we watched the rest when they were on. But no, this was the this was the, the raw overnight figures. Um, this, Coronation uh, Street was still the top of the soaps, but still in eighth place. 3.25 million people watched Coronation Street. Can you imagine that, like, when was it? 1987 or so, when, when, uh, when Hilda left, it was... 25, 26, I can't remember, million. And now it's down to three and a quarter. Still better that than um, three million, which Emmerdale managed. And uh, 2.9 million freestanders. <laughs> that just sounds really paltry and rubbish, doesn't it? I know, but I'm looking at the rest of the charts and it's just an indictment on how awful Christmas TV is now. It's true, yeah. So the Queen won... 7.4 million for her Christmas I wonder broadcast. whether the Queen has ever been at number one in the Christmas Day ratings before because it always felt like you know all the big comedies and soaps and everything would, would come top of the charts and then maybe yeah Queen some people watch that and I just want to say another thing here because we actually listened to the Queen's we speech did. on our Alexa yeah we did on our personal assistant so um, I wonder whether that 
you know, there's lots of different ways of watching things and hearing things now. But the other things were Strictly Come Dancing, Christmas Special, number two. Number three, Call the Midwife, which we joked would be on, and it was. <laughs> number four, Michael McIntyre's Christmas Wheel, which I don't know what the hell that is. Number five, Blankety Blank Christmas Special. Number six, Mary Poppins Returns. And number seven, something called Super Worm. <laughs> Super what? Worm. Super Worm? What on earth is that? That's well, really sad. I mean, like, Blankety Blank. Yeah. Really? Oh, I hate... Christmas Day TV is not a thing anymore. There's too much choice, that's the problem. Back when I were a lad, we only had four channels to watch on Christmas Day. So it's some kind of BBC film, Superworm. Weird. Okay. Um, whatever. Don't care. Oh, well, at least Coronation Street won. And I guess for all of those, those figures will be boosted once the um, once the streaming when uh, gets in there. But then I suppose it will for the other channels as well. Um I, I wonder don't... how this would have changed if it had been not available on demand. Yeah, that's, I, I'm, that's all I'm interested me in. Too. Don't really... I, I wonder if the the scope ratings will ever go up to... No, not, not I'm not saying, you know, back to the 20 millions or anything on Christmas Day, but, you know, 8 million, 10 million. That should be the day when everybody's watching soaps. Well... But it's not. Well, is it because nobody's interested? Or is it just nothing big happened? I don't know. Is this not just a normal week for soaps, though? Is that not a normal figure? No, I think that usually gets a, a, a million or two higher than that. I, okay. I never really watch, look at the well, ratings. Well, we don't... We're not, we, we should have really looked up how it fared against previous years, etc., etc. But at the end of the day, that's what happened, the end of that. Also, Kath Tilsley was on All Star Musicals where celebrities no. sing songs from musicals. She was dressed up like a cat. She is dressed like, like a big old fluffer, wasn't she? She sang Memory. We haven't watched this. I We're watched just... it, but you were in the other room. Did you? Was she good? It was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> so she had a great costume, Gemma. She, did. she was opening her mouth and the audience she, seemed impressed. Her, emot- her emotive memory. Was second to none. Literally. Well, also, she, she, she got came first. Yeah. She came first. Also, we went to a panto. We said this already. Yeah, I put right? panto in the news, but we, so that, that that's the news. We've done top. all the news. Okay. We're going to do the feedback. We need to get some feedback done. Let's do it. Right, I'm taking back over again. I'm going to slow the pace down a little nope, bit now. Let's go quickly talking about the average Facebook score. But this is all that. This 4. is all that. Four point one nine. Because this is this is the Facebook group voting from last Monday to Sunday, whereas we voted from Monday to Wednesday, didn't we? So our scores, which were like a bit lower than this, but that didn't include any of the Christmassy stuff. Four point one nine. It looks like people on the Facebook group very much enjoyed this. Gemma, what? Read out some of the scores. Rebecca said gave it four and a half times. We saw Kev doing the washing and the writers and Gemma out of five. Oh, sorry, I need to scroll across. Oh my god. Michael, can you please... The right side? I didn't mean it to happen. You... Right. The writers finally listened to Michael and Gemma out of five. No, re- read the whole thing. Four and a half times we saw Kev doing the washing and the writers finally listened to Michael and Gemma out of five. Yes, See? thank you. Kevin does do his own washing apparently sometimes. Yep. Christina gave it three and a half people hiding in the freezer out of five. And Abby gave it four things Jesus wouldn't do out of five. <laughs> that was funny. That was, that was a Mary line, wasn't it? That was a reference to. Okay, we have got oh, a little... quickly. What? Thank what? you what? very, very much to everybody who has gone on to Spotify after my request to rate us. We now have a rating on Spotify. We've got 4.9. I'm so happy. Thank you very much. If you Thank haven't you. done it yet, it's so simple. You just click on it and you just have to select the number of stars. So, um, Why not five though? Why is it Thank 4. you very, 9? very much. I really appreciate everybody. 
no, doing we do. that. Thank you very much. And maybe it'll make people find but you, us. More. You don't have to leave a review. You don't have to write anything. In fact, there's no way of doing it that I can tell. You can just so. click some stars. Right, we have got an iTunes review this week though, which is lovely. This is another five starer from Greenbug808, who says, "How is it? I'm only just finding this. Been a fan of Cory since I was a kid, and made to watch it by my parents when it was two episodes a week, and I still watch it. Forty-three years old. Love hearing the chatter and quiz." Only problem is, on a Wednesday, I've listened to the week's podcast and I need more. Keep up the good work. Too well, short, Well, we can't please everyone, can we? No, we need to... Hopefully, um, Green Bug 808, this is a slightly longer episode this week, and, and keep you going until Thursday, maybe. So, the person who gave us four stars on iTunes for not be, being too long, I think I recommend listening to us on one and a half speed. And to you, Green Bug, I reckon a half speed. And then we've... all things to all people (laughs) exactly thank you very much we really appreciate it thank you we really we're honestly really no no we do love it love it love it and reviews thank you very much um now we didn't get very many emails this week in fact maybe only one possibly but so i've i've um pilfered some comments about the christmas episodes from facebook Gemma, do you want to read paul's out paul says credit where it's due i loved christmas cory the platz barlow dinner was actually probably funny other stuff i loved Aside from it being completely ridiculous, Tyrone and Phil's fight was worth it for them riding the unicorn at the end. Plus, I kind of thought it was a bit hot too. Roy (laughs) coming home pissed Audrey. I've just said a rude word. Always good value. The street party. No killings, explosions, drugs, misery and pestilence. Just families having a sort of normal Christmas with a bit of slapstick and a few festive tropes ladled on. And it was really great. I'm glad Paul enjoyed it I'm, because he doesn't always enjoy Corrie, does he? I really Paul. love it when somebody who had a different opinion to us writes in and articulates perfectly exactly why and what they think. Because um, I like to have balance on the show. And I really, I'm really am glad that people have written to say or have written and said why they liked it because... I know lo- loads of people did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, more people liked it than didn't. But Absolutely. speaking of... Speaking of balance, this is George's email that he sent us um, on Saturday or Sunday, I think. He says, Hi, Michael and Gemma. I know it's the holidays and everything, but what was that mess of a show we've just watched on Christmas Day? I've seen better pantos than that. The pantos can be quite good, actually. Where do you begin this year? Everyone just keeps getting thrown out of their own homes for no good damn reason, except for George, as that was just cruel. But poor Todd, he didn't even have to be slung out in the summer cold as well. The Barlow Platt do, I felt, was always going to end in disaster. But what I wasn't prepared for was the amount of innuendos left, right and centre, all before the watershed. And I'm surprised Audrey didn't do a pratfall, what with all the alcohol she consumed. I did like how various members of the clan tried to make their escapes, as it reminded me of Christmas pre-pandemic. Oh, Tyrone, I mentioned before he was working his way back into my good books after taking down posh bleep Mimi but after that display he's gone back down again as really it was like watching toddlers fight and what did that unicorn ever do to be dragged into this I'll finish with my delight though that Roy came back as I really feared he was gone for good and someone really needs to be there for Nina but not so they can drag her to the street party where everyone murders classic tunes but then again it is Christmas the <laughs> end from George. Nothing a goth loves more than mass murder. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I let, let's just uh, should we do? We'll do. We'll do one more. What? No, maybe two more. I, I thought I copied Nancy in here, but I haven't. I might just have to find that later. Do you want to read this one, Gemma? Then I'll find Nancy. Yep. Liam says, just caught up with late night episode and thought it was fantastic. Among my all-time favourite Christmas episodes. I love the fact that it was just an almost ordinary Christmas day. 
no major drama, no murders or explosions, etc. While they can make for good viewing, it was nice just to have something gentle and character-led. Loved everything about it. Everybody trying to escape the Barlow Platt fiasco and drunk Audrey was just the highlight of the night. May God bless and preserve Sue Nichols for all eternity. <laughs> Amen. She's going to be preserved with all that booze she's drinking, don't worry. Abby having a bit of happiness after the year she's had and spending the day with the twins, although it seems almost inevitable that something terrible is going to happen to their adopted parents at some point in 2022. Nearly getting what she and everyone else really wanted with Roy's return. I thought we'd seen the, we hadn't seen the last of him and so glad I was right. Dev as his farcical best and the fight between Tyrone and Phil, absolutely hilarious. And a good old-fashioned sing-song around the piano to round it all off. Brilliant, even if it wasn't possible to have it in the Rovers. All in all, even though it was just like Though it was just like a classic old-style Corrie Christmas episode with plenty of tropes that keep us going. From what I remember of last year's Christmas episodes, it had a bit of the same kind of thing with David and Shona reuniting. And I think it'd be wonderful if it came, became a tradition to have that sort of episode every Christmas and never mind what massive dramas go on during the year. They're all forgotten about just for one day. See, I still think that Christmas two years ago with... With Robert being shot and Derek on the Helter Skelter and Shona in the box. I thought that was kind of fun. And people are saying that this this week's Christmas uh, Corrie was the best one in years. And much better than that stupid fast two years ago. I'm thinking, oh, we all like different things, don't we? Well, this is exactly the the most perfect of, of, you know, summations of that, isn't it? Because there couldn't be two more different... Approaches. No. So I, and you, the thing is, you can't, you can't have them both. You have to pick one or the other. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. So I, although I, I'm happily, I'm happy to see Christmas curries like this. I certainly wouldn't want them to have it like this every year. But it does make me think if they're if they're looking at the Christmas day schedules and if this is going, if this, if this is a sign of the future, and having a Christmas day be such a low viewing, have low viewing figures then they might say, well, let's not waste any budget here on stunts. Maybe. Let's just have something that is... Something nice. Something nice and get let's get the piano out again. <laughs> um, I, I found, liked it. I found Nancy's email. I won't read the whole thing, but because uh, mostly she was talking about what's going to happen before Christmas. But uh, she thinks that I'm right about Curtis and Emma maybe getting back together. And um, that she can't wait to have the Barlows and the Platts to have Christmas together. Um, she gave last week's episodes three and a half yodeling pickles out of five and uh, gave Emma as her character of the week. Thank you very much, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to everybody who's written in. Thank you to everyone who's on our Facebook group or is on Twitter or anywhere else. Um, don't forget, you can listen to us on Spotify and you can rate us. You can you and can should. listen to us on iTunes, almost any pl- podcasting platform. If there's one we're not on, let us know and we shall... You should endeavour to get on it. Um, you should listen to us on all of the platforms. Oh, at once. Why not? Um, you can find us at conversationstreet.podbean.com. We're also on YouTube, which is where I know at least one of you is listening right now. Oh, yeah. Somebody joined us um, on our Facebook group this week, didn't and they? They said, said that they, they listen, they, uh, they listen YouTube. on YouTube. Yeah, um, and if nice. you really like us that much and you want even more, you can join Patreon and you get a free... Well, you don't get free. You get an... You pay. <laughs> <laughs> You pay for an episode. You pay to get a free episode. Of <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, we do. We release an episode every month. This month's was top five moments of the year. And um, we hope that you enjoy that. you got until the end of the week to get your Patreon sponsors in if you want to get your money going to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation That's as right. well. Yeah, so we will um, announce on at the beginning of January how much we've raised for that Um Please do donate if you are if you don't really want to join Patreon. 
please consider donating if you have any spare cash to any of the charities Coronation Street have worked with this year. It's been a very good year. Story, didn't we? They have worked very hard, and um, thank you all. But, and this but, is our but, Gemma. <laughs> How how much did people like the story? Is it an award-winning story? Is it a Conversation Street award-winning story? You're going to have to wait a few more days to find out, everybody. Well, we you know. will have to wait, but this is the final episode from Conversation Street <laughs> for 2021. We'll be back with you next year in a few days' time to tell you who has won and hopefully with a few acceptance speeches hopefully well. with a few acceptance speeches because that was quite fun last year wasn't it yes. and then the main next episode of the podcast will put out I think just at a normal time next week so it'll be yeah we can record next Friday evening oh back to school day no, and everything. hang on what not this Friday okay, evening good. next Friday evening so episode 504 we'll of the podcast will be on the Saturday morning as normal um, hopefully so thank you everyone for a great year for you guys supporting us and what we do here at the podcast we really appreciate you listening Absolutely. we couldn't do most of this stuff without you we'd still record but um, i think it was a bit of a waste of time why are we doing this even more of a waste of time than it already is i hope that you have had a good year and if you didn't i hope next year is good to you and um, have a nice happy new year's eve and here's to an even better next year Nice way to end. I like it. Cheers, everybody. Ta-ra, Chucks. And um, see you in 2022. Goodbye. Gemma, say goodbye. Goodbye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. And that was the end of all our jingly bells as well, I just oh, realised. Oh, jingle off. Jingle off. Jingle. Bye.